number one sports talk show is on. And now, starting an hour earlier, welcome inside the Radio Octagon. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Filling in for Michael Ball, here's Sean Kleisinger. Sean Kleisinger here alongside Blaine Wyland on this Thursday afternoon, downtown Regina, corner of 12th and Rose. And we are getting set for another big game tomorrow, of course. Michael Ball is on the road. We're not on the road. He's going to be up in the air soon on that charter flight to Vancouver, British Columbia. Because the Riders, I mean, you could consider this a business trip, baby. Business. As they like to say, the kids like to say, a big game coming up tomorrow in Vancouver. And I've always loved these start times. I've always said it, 8.30 p.m. kickoff tomorrow. Nice excuse for the young ones to, you know, stay up a little later. Although I know it is a weekend, going into a weekend. So, But uh, I love the 8.30 p.m. kickoff. So our pregame show tomorrow will be on the air. Countdown to kickoff, 5.30. And we will have a two-and-a-half-hour edition of the Sports Cage tomorrow. But getting ahead of myself, we still... Have a great show lined up for you today. Let's live in the moment here. Today's show is for the Canadian Brew House and their new summer feature menu, including jalapeno popper dip, hangover helper, new candlestick fries, my mouth is watering, and so many other features, flavors, and cocktails. And we will hear from Michael Ball a lot throughout today's show because uh, he left a lot of great conversations behind before you know he boarded that flight to Vancouver. We are going to hear from Carrie Joseph. You don't need me to intro Kerry Joseph, do you? I mean, 2007 MOP, 2007 Great Cup champion, current assistant quarterbacks coach for the Seattle Seahawks. And just this week, it was announced that Kerry Joseph is going to go into the Louisiana, uh, Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame. So uh cannot wait to chat with Kerry Joseph. That's going to be the last segment of Hour 1 here. So uh, Kerry Joseph on deck. Uh, the regular Thursday installment, Arash Madani, Coast to Coast. Ben Whiting with all your play now. Betting tips go- going into uh, this weekend in the Canadian Football League and the National Football League as well. And VA, VA Jr., Vernon Adams Jr., the quarterback for the BC Lions. That's going to kick off Hour 3. And TSN's Glenn Suter as well. And excited to chat with the new starting quarterback for the University of Regina Rams, Owen Sieben. That's at the bottom of this hour. But uh, let's start things off looking at this depth chart. It is depth chart day for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders the day before. And the thing that pops off the page, I guess, initially is, well, we all knew this was coming, but Jane Dalkey, he's back in at the starting free safety spot. So Jackson Ford will back him up. And the Swiss Army Knife himself, Derek Moncrief, he is uh, penciled in to start at one of the halfbacks beside Nick Marshall. So that's going to be very interesting going into uh, the game tomorrow night. And Derek Moncrief, he's basically that guy that can play all over the place. He's played Sam. He's played free safety. So why not? You can play some halfback, can't you, Kreef? Well, you're you're going to. It's going to be uh, fun to watch. And we thought maybe Jamal Morrow would be back out there, but it looks like Jamal Morrow, not quite yet. And... Frankie Hickson had himself a pretty good game last time out. He's going to be uh, that designated American. He's going to be getting a start at running back uh, tomorrow night for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Outside of that, pretty much 
The same across the board. Lofton, Blake, Godber, Furland, Council along the offensive line. Tevin Jones, Sean Bain Jr., Jareth Stearns, Kean Schaefer-Baker, Samuel Emelis, your receiving core, Albert Awachi back in at fullback, Jake Lugala, of course, still your QB number one starting for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders tomorrow. And, uh, I mean, Mr. 97 Albright, he had himself a game last week, uh, Blaine Wyland, huh? That's going to be exciting to see if he can build off of that outing because ooh, I don't think many people were expecting that type of game, but that's one name that I'm really looking forward to watching tomorrow. Not only, you know, Moncrief starting at one of the halfback positions, and I'm sure Moncrief is going to maybe move around throughout, you know, the defense through the course of the game, but looking forward to seeing Albright tomorrow. Yeah, to see him in a full lengthy game. Yeah, yeah you know, after he uh, started on the bench on um, last week against Ottawa. So yeah, definitely something they needed was another defensive end throughout the season. I know they had Anthony Lanier there at that spot, and I know a lot of people like him inside. But it's nice to see another player uh, develop like uh, Christian Albright. They did have one too, and Brian Cox Jr. before he went out with an injury too. But it's nice to get some more pressure off of that edge, and it's something that the defense needs. Yeah, he was shot out of a cannon last week, and I loved it. Uh, so. This is the news that we've been kind of asking about all week long, wondering if, you know, if a suspension would occur or, you know, a fine at the very least. Well, I need some help understanding this one. Calgary Stampeders linebacker Micah Alway. Love the guy. Like Ballsy was saying yesterday, love him. Had him on the show lots before. And uh, Micah Alway, he laid that, very high hit, helmet to helmet hit this past week. And this is his, by my count, his fourth fine of the regular season. All four high hits, by the way. And I think it's like his eighth fine overall in his career. And so he has been pegged with a max fine today for that high hit, but no suspension. And it's kind of head-scratching to me. It's like, ah, no suspension. By my count, how many times has Pete Robertson been been fined over the years? I only could think of the one time. I could be wrong. I think it was just versus the Bombers earlier this year. Uh, the headbutt on Zach Kolaris. So it begs the question. I mean, it's just an honest question. It begs the question, how come four fines in one season does not equate to a suspension when one headbutt equates to a suspension. That's the question being asked by fans right now. So I'll ask you, Blaine Weiland, what are your thoughts on that? How come am I, are, are we missing something here? Is it just the fact that the headbutt was on a quarterback? And that quarterback said something right after the game? Mm-hmm. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, no, you're right. I agree. Like, always should, after, especially the... Uh, the amount of attention we're playing, we're paying towards, you know, hits to the head now in football, and how that's something they want to decrease. The fact that four happened in the same season, five in the last calendar year for Aoi. so it's like, it, yeah, it, it is mind-boggling, I guess I would say, because it's like, I, what else? Like, it should be like the old three-strike rule, you know, three strikes and you're suspended at least. I would say. Well, this time around, he, he's on his fourth strike yeah. and he's still standing yeah. at the plate. <laughs> Exactly. What's with that? I, I don't Maybe know. Maybe that Montreal Alouette that, you know, was on the receiving end of the crushing blow, he had to go to the media after the game and be like, do you know what? I, you know, yeah, it was a dirty play, but, you know, 
I, I doubt the league will do anything. I, I doubt the league will suspend them or, or do anything about it. I, I bet if he said that, oh, then the league would this maybe one, suspend them. This like, one, what is? I was just are start, we on puppet strings here or or uh, what? I don't know, man. Because this is the first one that the high hit didn't occur on the quarterback. Those other three ones were on Trey Ford, Dustin Crum, and Mason Fine. Those high hits. So, oh, I don't know. It's a different set of rules. It seems like at times, but. Uh, you know, it seems like that in all sports when it comes to suspensions and like that, unless you have a clear cut rule saying three, you know, three violations of suspension, we're always going to have these, you know, different type of scenarios where they kind of pick and choose their sentences. Well, it's just, I don't know. This is professional football. This shouldn't be a pick and choose business. We are all professionals here. But that's all I'll say about that. You know, I just thought it was very head scratching, and I think a lot of fans across the Canadian Football League are wondering why. You know, like I like I said, like I pre- like I was mentioning before I got into this spiel. I love Mike Alway. Like had him on here uh, a couple months back. I just this could happen to any player. I just don't understand the the thought process on this one. I mean, he's had five high hits in his career. He's had Two leading with the crown, helmet to helmets, reckless and dangerous tackle, and as mentioned, it was his fourth fourth suspension this year. I don't think this is a football, just a football problem. In the sense of the suspensions, how there's no mm-hmm. set definition. Look at hockey. I mean, sometimes we get guys slashing and get a one game, but then the next guy does the same thing. He'll get three games, you know, and they won't go on like. Uh, their character or their background history or anything like that. It's just more pick and choose. So probably all across the line in sports, we need more set definitions of, okay, you did this, you get suspended for this. Like it's kind of the law almost what you need to establish when it, as opposed to hearings and uh, arbitraries and stuff like that. I think we need less of that. I think like when you think of hockey, I feel like it's more like nobody quite knows. I think it's more open to, you know, discussion in hockey because you look at it in hockey, how many punches to the face does a guy get in front of the net after the whistle's blown? How many, like, fights, slashes? Like, a lot of stuff happens in a hockey game. A lot of sticks moving. A lot of things happen. To me, I think football is a lot easier to do, you know, come out with a template on what is a suspension and what is not a suspension. Clearly, you know, Michael Alway laid the high hit, so... That that's a play that has been you know ridiculed and taken out of the game, so I don't understand. It's a lot easier to decipher what is a suspension, I believe, in the game of football. I just don't understand how you know we aren't quite there yet on determining the length of suspensions and if a guy should be suspended at all. It's just it's head scratching. I think that's what is is they should be suspended at all because in football, remember they only got. 18, 16, you know, 18, 17 games a year where it's a little tougher. Like, I don't want to say it's tougher to justify suspension, but, you know, if you miss one football game, it's a bigger deal than obviously missing one hockey game. So I think that's part of it, too, the amount of games they play in terms of how they're really resistant to suspend players because it is a big deal when you miss one football game as opposed to missing one hockey game. So I think that's part of it as well. Yeah. Well, that's the news in the Canadian Football League today. The The week starts off tomorrow. With a big double dip, it's actually back-to-back days of double dips in the Canadian Football League, and uh, I think we're getting a call. Maybe we should bring them on the air. Let's let's take this one live. Who's uh who's calling us today here on the Sports Cage for the Canadian Brew House? Hey, Zare. Hey, how you doing today? 
I'm good. It's Kelly calling. I just caught some of your uh, commentary at the start here because I was outside. Uh, so you're saying Ah or Alway did not get suspended? That's correct. He has not been suspended as far as I see. All that has happened is he has uh, received a max fine for uh, that high hit that he laid over the weekend, and this is his fourth fine of the season. Right. Now, what about, uh, you can correct me, I could be wrong, but I've been, been watching a lot of football. Uh, Big Hill on short yardage always leads with his head, and he's always hitting the quarterback. How come he hasn't ever been fined or suspended? I have a good one. I'll let you chew on that, Zinger. No, I appreciate the the call, Kelly. Thanks for listening. And yeah, there's a there's a lot of situations. I think when you look across, you know, there's a there could be a lot of discussions. Let's just say on what should be, you know, fined because there's a lot of different hits. There's a lot of stuff that happens in a football game. But I think when you look at the things that are just clear-cut, the very obvious things, the, the very obvious things should be dealt with, you know, very easily, in, in my opinion. And it just seems like it's not being, being done that way, unfortunately. I feel like, you know, Pete Robertson got the very, very, very short end of the stick on this one when you look across the league and a guy is, you know, picking up four fines and he's still... You know, not missing out on a game, a game check. Anyways, yeah, thanks for the call, Kelly. And as always, you can always call us up here on the Sports Cage. The lines are open. We are open for discussion. 306-936-6262, as well on the text line as well. The very same number, 306-936-6262. The text line powered by Capital GMC Buick. Cadillac. Well, it's a big night in the National Football League as well. I mean, why do I still have my jacket on, by the way? Wearing my Jordan Love jersey. The Green Bay Packers taking on the Detroit Lions tonight, and it's a big game at Lambeau Field. Blaine Wyland, how do you feel about my Packers' chances tonight at the Frozen Tundra? It's not quite frozen yet. But <laughs> it's green still, It's eh? green. It's the green tundra. You know... I think... Don't break my heart. Just let uh, me ride this It's going to be a good game. How about All that? Right. I yeah. mean, Packers are better are a little, are better than I thought they'd be, to be honest. I didn't think they're going to be that bad, but uh, I think it's safe to say that they're better than the Bears, which is not <laughs> oh. saying much. And the Vikings, uh, I don't know about them quite yet. I mean... I do. They're 0-3. <laughs> they're going nowhere. <laughs> the just, Vikings are going absolutely nowhere. They are a boat on the road. Wow, you AKA know going nowhere. You look at their schedule coming up too. I mean, they got Carolina this week, but afterwards, and they got a couple of weeks the Bears, but they also got the Chiefs, uh, the 49ers, and Green Bay, and their next five games as well. So that could be one team that's they're heading on. That team's heading on a crossroads, especially with their quarterback situation. But uh, going back to tonight's festivities, uh, I don't know. I I think this is going to be one of those games going to be side by a field goal. But this is going to be like a big one for the NFC North in terms of who's oh, going to yeah. take the lead. So, uh, you know, everyone was on the Lion bandwagon at the beginning of the season. And I think it was justified. But I'm not sure they're good as, you know, we all thought they were. They're, they're a good, they're a decent, pretty good, or good team. But I'm not sure they're pretty good, excellent. You know what I mean? They're not that quite that. I think a lot of people thought that they were like a, the, the sexy pick for the NFC. 
I don't see them challenging the Niners or the Eagles right now. I think a lot of people like the Detroit Lions because a lot of people think that Dan Campbell is this big, angry, sexy coach. You know, it's it's the coach to like in the National Football League. The things he says, the things or the way he walks around. No, I'm not taking anything away from their roster. A pretty good roster. But, hey, you mentioned the Chicago Bears. Hey, check out this matchup. Did you know that on Sunday, Blaine Weiland, and oh, I... <laughs> to the Sports Cage listener, that the Chicago Bears, the 0-3 Chicago Bears, host the 0-3 Denver Broncos in the toilet. Do you know what? It's not just a toilet bowl. It's the dirty, filthy toilet bowl at Soldier Field, 11 a.m. on I'll Sunday. I'll clean it up and call it the Caleb Williams Bowl. I said, oh. See, I thought they, what they should do, they should fly him in there and give him the Taylor Swift treatment and then <laughs> watch his reactions. Although you know how Taylor was jumping up and down for Kelsey's touchdowns. I don't know if Caleb Williams will be jumping up and down, but I mean, it feels like the number one pick's going to come out of this game almost. Like, these, these two teams have been bad. Like, combined score of what? Coming off a combined 110-point losses last week, these two teams? Mm-hmm. Like, unreal, like how bad they are right hey, now. I think I'm pretty much over this Taylor Swift saga, too, since you mentioned her name. I read that she will be in attendance at MetLife Stadium for Sunday Night Football versus the Kansas City Chiefs. I saw some pictures being leaked of, uh, you know, her at the bar with Travis Kelsey, you know, them having a good time. So there's a lot of people thinking, oh, maybe it's maybe it's a real relationship, you know? They're... they're they're hanging out outside of football. Maybe it's real. It's like, okay, like the NFL, though, must just be eating this up with a silver spoon, huh? with a with a tablespoon, not even a teaspoon. You know, they love this. Type I don't of- mind it as much, but, but to be fair, it, I'm, a, I'm a Niners fan, so I don't really care that much. You know what I mean? Like if it was my team, my one of my players, I would be like, eh, I don't know. Yeah, I wouldn't say I care. It's more It's more so just like a, a little thorn in my side. Like I'm, I'm scrolling through X, Twitter, and you know, every second post is a picture of Taylor Swift, you know, screaming in a press box. Like, yeah, I, I good. The, go ahead. Scream. Have a good time. You know, you're just another person watching a football game. That's, what, that's it. Here's my no argument. More. Here's my argument. What do you think is going to last 30, 30 years longer in the 30 years in the future? What do you think is going to be more relevant? Taylor Swift's career or the NFL? I think we know the answer. We all know, we the, know answer. the answer for that one. <laughs> and we also know that Jamal Morrow will not be in the lineup tomorrow. We caught up with him yesterday after practice, and we are going to hear that conversation on the other side of the break. He seemed pretty confident. You know that he was you know, ready to roll, but the depth chart is out, and as it stands, Frankie Hickson to Liberty Flame. We'll be back in the starting lineup for your Saskatchewan Rough Riders tomorrow night at BC Place Stadium. With that said, we will hear from Jamal Morrow on the other side of the break. You are listening to the Sports Cage for the Canadian Brew House here on 620 CKRM. We're talking sports on your way home. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Uh, yeah, I mean, everything's feeling pretty good, so I'm just going to decide on how the coaches feel about everything, but I, know I feel confident to go out there and play and uh, do what I have to do to up the team win. What was uh, bothering you or what was causing you to be out last week? Not just a little tweak in the knee. Nothing too crazy, but uh, I just wanted to take precautions on it. You didn't want to push it too much and, you know, let Frankie do his thing. And so, I mean, he did a great job. And, uh, I mean, looking forward to, you know, hopefully we can kind of get him going the rest of the season between me and him. Do you think you and him could be quite the one-two punch? With You look like you have different running styles. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I mean, we showed a little bit last year when we were both going after each other or when we were both playing um, the dynamic we can have. And so, hopefully, you know, that's something we can pick up, you know, towards the end of the season. I would love to have that. 
Is there enough touches that can go around between you two in the game? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, I mean, obviously, like, there's ways around it. We can make things work, but um, absolutely, I think, I think there is more than enough for both of us. How important is it to, to get this win and get out of this three-game losing streak and just another win on the road for you guys? It's been a while. Yeah, I mean, when's the last time we won on the road? Yeah, yeah, okay, never mind. Yeah, I didn't say that. But um, it's uh, it's huge. I mean, we know going into, you know, uh, we haven't been the best on away games, and so this is not our first, unfortunately, it's not our first three-game skit that we had. So it's just something you just got to go out and play, play football and, you know, just play loose and got to go have fun and win the game you know so that's our goal I mean it's not not about ending the thing it's going out there and playing our best brand of football and so we understand what situations we in and what we need to do but um it's going out there and playing football and uh, playing winning football not just football so yeah given how last year did end on that losing streak for you guys what makes this team different that you feel like you can't you won't do that again yeah I mean I think we have enough guys in this locker room who experienced that we but I went through last year and so I think it's all about having the leadership in the locker room to pick it up and like I said it's kind of going out there and playing winning football you know not just going out there and just playing you know just playing you know whatever playing a one half of football two quarters three quarters we got to go out and play four four quarters of winning football and so I think we have that in our team it's just kind of getting our mojo back and going out there and playing. What's the biggest difference you've noticed with Craig Dickinson's coaching staff from last year to this year? Yeah I mean he's been more on it you know more in tune of focusing on like the one percent improvement each and every day and so I mean I think that's just kind of what we've uh what we learned and kind of you know we we found out our he's been preaching the last couple of weeks and so it's just now it's just us go out there and execute you know and uh you know play winning football and get into this playoffs. Can you use the way you played against BC when they were here in August as a bit of a, a template for how the game needs to be approached on Friday? Yes, absolutely. I think because that we broke it. That was our three-game losing streak then too, right? And so I think um, if we just go out there, like I said, just play, and um, we have the confidence that we can go out there, you know, and um, you know, and play with you know this BC team was kind of hot right now. But uh, yes, yeah, so I think our main thing is kind of kind of going into a, you know you know an away game and uh, focus on. You know, Focus on ourselves and uh, going into that environment and getting a W. Yeah, and that's the voice of Rough Riders running back, Jamal Morrill. Now, that conversation happened yesterday, and uh, the depth chart came out today, and Jamal Morrill is not in the lineup for tomorrow night at BC. Frankie Hickson will take those responsibilities, and Frankie Hickson showed some pep in his step you know, last week. So can't wait to see him back on the field. And uh, hopefully the Riders can bring home a W. Even you heard Jamal Morrow there. He was like, when was the last time we won a road game? That's very, very reasonable. It's been a long time. So uh, it's going to be a good game tomorrow night. I think it's one of those games where not many people are picking the Saskatchewan Rough Riders to go in there and win. But I think it's going to have like similar type of vibes compared to the first meeting of the year in BC. If I remember correctly, it was a very close game, basically all game long. And I know people were picking the BC Lions to win that one uh, or like blow the riders out in that one. I feel like this Rough Riders team, they really, they really show up and play pretty good football when it's against like pretty good football teams. And I'm not, I don't, I'm not saying they don't, you know, go out of their way to play bad against, you know, the lesser teams. It just seems like, I mean, I mean, it's obvious. You look at the past schedule, the Riders, they beat the BC Lions. They beat the Winnipeg Blue Bombers back-to-back weeks, I think it was. So, I mean, 
the truth's in the pudding, as they like to say. They're, they have a history of playing good against these teams, so hopefully tomorrow night will be a, another one of those performances. And we're going to hit the break here, and the last half hour of Hour 1 is loaded with some great conversations. We are going to hear from Owen Sieben, the quarterback of the University of Regina Rams, on the other side, and then Kerry Joseph, 2007 Great Cup champion, we'll be chatting with. Michael Ball to wrap up hour one. You are listening to the Sports Cage for the Canadian Brew House on 620 CKRM. And I'm Blaine Wild with your sports ticker. Earlier today, the Tampa Bay Lightning announced that goaltender Andre Vasilevsky has underwent successful back surgery, which means that the net miner will be out for the first two months of the NHL's regular season. Of course, Tampa Bay has quite the history of uh, storing players throughout the regular season and bringing back to the playoffs, but uh, it'll be two months for the net minder out of the Tampa Bay lineup. On the diamond tonight, the Toronto Blue Jays look to inch a little bit closer to the postseason as they wrap up their series with the New York Yankees. A couple of changes to the Blue Jays' batting lineup. They've switched around Brandon Belt and Bo Bichette. Belt will bat second, and Bichette will bat cleanup for tonight. Chris Bassett will get the start. The Jays are two games ahead of the Seattle Mariners. They begin a four-game series with the Texas Rangers tonight. And, of course, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, they're in flight on their way to BC to take on the Lions in Vancouver, and of course, we'll have that game here on 620 CKRM. Countdown to kickoff begins at 5.30 with the opening kickoff at 8.30. We're on a rampage. From sideline to sideline, the sports cage has U of Rams football covered. The quarterback for your University of Regina Rams, Owen Sieben. Owen, thanks for taking a couple minutes here. And uh, before we talk about, you know, the season thus far, I kind of want to, you know, go back in your history and just kind of find out how you got here. Uh, Talk about growing up in B.C. Langley, British Columbia is where you are from. Favorite teams growing up, players, all that good stuff. Yeah, I started playing football when I was really young. My, My mom family is from Kansas City, so football is a big part of their life, and I just wanted to be just like that, so I started playing with the North Langley Bears, and I played there for a long time. I got to play with a bunch of my close friends, a bunch of my close teammates, and it was where I fell in love with football. I just wanted to keep playing from there, and that's when it came really serious to me. Uh, that's when I went to Terry Fox for high school, and I had the opportunity to play for a great coach in Tom Cadaba and some really great teammates, uh, one of which that I play with on the Rams now, or two of which, sorry, when Alice Gagnon and Gavin Winningham. So it was a great experience playing football in BC. We're going to talk about your high school career here in a bit, but maybe uh, just expand on the Kansas City part. So that's a uh, pretty cool. It's not every day, you know, we have a, a player on the Rams with a Kansas City connection. So I take it that yeah. you are a Kansas City Chiefs fan. Is it safe to say? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Never had a choice, really. My Entire family being from Kansas City, they're diehard fans, so never had a choice. I've always been a Chiefs fan. That's awesome. Quarterback Owen Sieben here on the Western Pizza Hotline, quarterback of your Regina Rams. So take us through your high school career. You sustained a bit of an injury in grade 12. I got to Terry Fox in grade 10, and that was the COVID year, so we didn't play any football games. And then grade 11 had a really good year. Our team went all the way to the provincial finals, and then Grade 12 year, was hoping to get back to that and ended up separating my shoulder early on in the year. So we never reached back to that point, but 
I'm just extremely grateful for all my coaches, all my teammates. It was just a great experience playing high school football. And talk about the recruiting process. I've talked with uh, head coach Mark McConkie on a few occasions about how you kept him up at night for nights on end, just you know, wondering <laughs> what school you were going to uh, commit to. So what were the schools that were in your top three? You know, What separated Regina when it was all said and done? Yeah, I, I had the opportunity to go through the process with a bunch of different schools and by the end of my recruiting process, I'd say the top three were the University of Regina, the University of Ottawa, and that was that was honestly that was really the top two. And mm-hmm. um, what separated Regina was just the relationship I had with the coaching staff, Coach McConkey, Coach Bruce Anderson. They did a really great job of making a connection with me and my family, and it was really important to me and my family that I was seen as a, as a person and not a player, and that was really big. Yeah, and uh, Mark McConkey told me that he actually made a few visits on the West Coast as well to, to uh, you know, have supper and stuff like that. So that was yeah. a, a pretty cool to hear. Yeah, it was. It was. Going into the season here, you're first year with the Regina Rams, and Coach McConkey also told me that, you know, in, in spring camp, he saw it right away, how you just kept on making plays, plays after plays after plays, and then... Coach was like, "Yeah, but he's still young, you know. You know, you get thrown into the fire uh, versus uh, the Calgary Dinos here at Mosaic Stadium a few weeks ago, and you were just making play after play, just like you were doing in spring camp. So, uh, take us through what the jump has been like from you know not playing much in high school in grade twelve all the way starting at the youth sports level. Yeah, it, it's been. I, I've loved the challenge of playing youth sports from the playbook, how complex it is to how complex defenses are. It's been, it's been a really big learning curve and a really big challenge, but no, I love football and I love that challenge. So just be able to work with my teammates every single day, get better with them every single day. It's been a great experience. And this has been a, a program, when you look at it over the history, it has had a lot of great quarterbacks go through the door. I know when you walk right yeah, through, the facility, through the facility there, you see a Noah Pickton's jersey, his Heck Crichton Award a winning trophy there right in the front door. What's it mean to Owen Sieben to be the quarterback for the University of Regina Rams? It means everything to me. It's uh, it's the culmination of a lot of hard work over the years. And like you said, just coming to a, such a storied program and meeting guys like Noah Pickton, meeting guys like Josh Donnelly, who I see every day, it makes you really it makes you really buy into what we're doing here and it makes you want to be a great player like those guys. So all of our teammates and I, we're working hard. We want to get back to those, to those great times as program team. And I'm really confident in our team. So growing up as a kid, who was your favorite uh, football player that you looked up to, if you had to pick one? Yeah, we, we talked about being a Chiefs fan, so it was always mm-hmm. Chiefs players for me. Guys like even Jamal Charles, he's not a quarterback, but he was just yeah. a great player. Like Alex Smith, Patrick Mahomes, guys like that. that You just see not only great players on the field, but they're great people in the community, and that's been really important for me and my family. Have you ever been to a game at Arrowhead? No, not at Arrowhead. We've always been playing games at the same time. Yeah. But yeah, never at Arrowhead. Hey, so a big game coming up here on Friday against the Alberta Golden Bears. Now, this is a team that's been, you know, shocking a lot of people across the country and a very strong team. They're sitting at 3-1 and one right now. So when you yeah. look at the Alberta Golden Bears, what kind of game are you expecting here on Friday night? Yeah, like you said, they're a really great team. They've had a really great season. And when we watch them, it's it's very clear that they're a veteran team especially on the defensive side. So when we go into the game, we just got to execute at an extremely high level because, like you said, they're a really great team. They know what they're doing. So it's on us to kind of 
step up to that challenge and perform the way we can. It's awesome, my friend. Well, it's been an honor thus far to call the games on the radio, calling your name, and I can't wait to see you back at Mosaic Stadium here on October 14th versus the Manitoba Bisons, and uh, this is going to be a fun end to the season. Thanks for your time today. Thank you, sir. Have a great day. U of R Rams quarterback Owen Sieben. You're listening to the radio home of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. And you're going to want to keep it tuned in because we will be playing some Sastel Pick the Score later on this afternoon. The winner will take home two tickets to the October 7th game at home here versus the Hamilton Tiger Cats in what will be a very special night at Mosaic Stadium as the Riders are welcoming back some of the 2013 Grey Cup winning players. And one of those players, you might know him, doubles. Quarterback Darian Durant will be back in Regina, as well as former Riders head coach Corey Chamberlain. Legends Night, presented by Pure Later. So it's going to be coming to town here. Oh, man, I'm, I'm just looking at a picture of, uh, you know, the Riders standing on the field after the big win in 2013. Brings back a lot of memories. And uh, it's hard to believe, Blaine, this has been 10 years now. Does it seem like 10 years for you, or does it seem like kind of like yesterday in a way? You know, the weird thing is, after these last few years, saying like, you know, three or four years ago, doesn't seem like mm-hmm. how t- time has just really kind of been warped for me after, you know, with like COVID and that and that whole year off kind of thing. But yeah, no, still, I can't believe that it's, it's been 10 years. It doesn't seem like 10 years. It seems like more like five, six, seven, but not 10. Yeah. Well, hey, Darian Duran, he became the fourth Rough Rider quarterback, of course, to uh, lead the team to a Grey Cup victory. Doing so in quite the style in front of, I think it was 44,710 fans at uh, the old Taylor Field, or uh, of course at the time it was Mosaic Stadium. But Darian, he went 17 of 24 for uh, 245 yards, three touchdowns on route to one of the most exciting nights in Saskatchewan Rough Rider history. So he is the last quarterback to hoist the Grey Cup for the green and white. And the quarterback before that to do so goes by the name of Kerry Joseph. We know him well. He started off in the Canadian Football League, you know, quarterbacking the Ottawa Renegades. And I believe the first ever game the Ottawa Renegades played was against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. I remember it quite vividly watching it on the old tube at the old uh, Frank Clair Stadium. Well, I believe it's still the same grounds as TD Play Stadium now. They still have one of the the old stands up. But uh, yeah, Kerry Joseph came along in uh, 2006, I believe it was. Didn't take him long to, you know, get back uh, on top of the football world here in Canada, hoisting that great cup, a big victory over the Winnipeg Blue Bombers at Rogers Center back in 2007. I mean, that was, to me, Kerry Joseph is my favorite Rough Rider quarterback of all time because when you think of it, for people my age, Kerry Joseph is the quarterback that finally brought the great cup back to Ryderville. I mean, People born in the early 90s, that's the first ever taste that they would have had at, you know, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders winning a Grey Cup. So, Kerry Joseph, that's the reason why, to me, he is like, he is in my heart. 
as far as my favorite rider quarterback as far as what I watch because, I mean, he didn't play here for very long, but he brought a new generation of rider fans the joy of celebrating a Grey Cup championship because we all know before that, the last Grey Cup the riders won was in 1989. So he is a kind of a trailblazer in that way for a lot of young rider fans that are, you know, born in the 1990s or that were born in the 1990s. And before Michael Ball got on the charter flight to head on over to Vancouver, British Columbia. It was announced earlier this week that Kerry Joseph is being inducted into the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame. So it ties in nicely as uh, Michael Ball chatted with the now assistant quarterbacks coach of the Seattle Seahawks and Riders legend at the quarterback position, Kerry Joseph. All right, we're pleased to be joined by Rough Rider football royalty and assistant coach with the Seattle Seahawks and a friend of the sports cage, Kerry Joseph. Thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule. I do appreciate it. Oh, no, no problem, man. I appreciate being on here with you guys. Okay, so first off, congratulations going into the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame. Where does that rank amongst your accomplishments? Man, you know what? It's at the top with all the rest of them. It's a, it's a great accomplishment. Uh, to be representing in the state of Louisiana, where I was, you know, Louisiana born, Louisiana raised, and uh, to be able to go in there with some of the greats, it uh, is a great accomplishment. Yeah, I'll tell you what, great accomplishment. I, I talked about this yesterday on my uh, show with John Ryan, the former Seahawks punter. You're in that quarterback's room, man. You're helping Geno Smith with a transformation. We both said it's great to see that he's, uh, you know, blooming late, but uh, maybe he's getting great coaching right now. You're part of that. Just talk about working with uh, Geno Smith and how great he's doing. You know, it's been great. Uh, he's a great guy. Uh first and foremost. And then when you look at the talent as the NFL quarterback and his focus and the way he, uh, the way he approaches every day, it doesn't surprise you to see the success that he's having. And, uh, it's just, it's just us building upon it as a group. You know, we have a great quarterback run with Greg Olson, Drew Law, and we just all put our heads together with Shane, the officer coordinator. And uh, Gino just takes it in stride. So it's been real fun working with him and giving him the knowledge that I have. Kerry, you've always been a scraper and a clawer and a guy that uh, has earned everything that he's ever gotten, you know, quarterback, defensive back, back to quarterback. How much of yourself as a quarterback do you see in Gino? Are there some similar traits that you can kind of, you know, uh, rely upon when you're trying to coach him up? You know, I see the competitiveness, the competitive age that he carries. When, uh, when, when, when people count him out or things are not going the way they should go, you continue just to, to crawl and to crawl and to fight and to scratch to get back on top and to make sure you get the things done that you want to get done. And that's what he's been able to do. And, uh, you know, he's surrounded by some great talent and he's using that and he's a student at the game. And it doesn't surprise you when someone at that level at that position as a student of the game and, and, and invest everything that he has, that's why you see the success. You know, it's funny, uh, and I don't mean this in a ha-ha way, but it, it, you, you watch these, uh, these guys and coaches 
when you lose, it's so agonizing. I'm on the plane with the riders, you know, when they're, they're in a three game losing skid right now. And you, you think about everything you sink into the game that week and you lose and it's devastating. But when you win, there's such jubilation. It's like, as I'm talking to you right now, you're going into another meeting. I don't know if people really realize how much time and effort is put into winning each week. You know what? It's a lot of time and effort. And at the professional level, everybody is good. And I think you have to uh, you have to be able to balance your emotions because when you win, it's, it's, it's excitement, it's joy, but you can't get too high. When you lose, it, it hurts. It, you know, you don't put the work in, you don't put the time in, and you're just like, man, we we did we just didn't get it done. But you can't think too low. You got to find that medium where, hey, I can reset. We played against a good football team. They made the plays we didn't. Let's go out and do it again the next week. And when you can find that, you know, you got to find that balance. And that's one thing I had to find when I played was I couldn't get too high. I couldn't get too low. I had to stay even keeled and just continue to find that emotional balance to reset myself for the next week. What are you learning about yourself at the NFL level as a coach? Is there something that you've uh, developed uh, over your uh, time with the Seattle Seahawks so far? You know, it's it just for me, just developing the, uh, my leadership skill, you know, watching the way, you know, Pete Carroll does, uh, leads this organization and the way he leads his coaches, the way he leads the players and just developing that, uh, that part of me, because I do want to be a head coach one day. I do want to be a coordinator one day where I'm over a whole office of room. So it's like for me, the football part that comes easy is, how do I develop the leadership to develop men uh, with, within the organization? And that's the biggest thing for me that I have learned. I'm interested in this, Kerry. Uh, Just it's an open-ended question. You're in the NFL now. You're an American guy. I know you still follow the CFL because you love football, and there's a big piece of your heart back here in uh, Saskatchewan and in in the CFL in general. Would Would – would coming back to the CFL like in a head coaching role, would that be a step back, or are you just focused right now on the NFL? You know what? I just focus where I am now. I never say never to anything uh, because, you know, you never know where life would take you. Uh, you know, so I always tell myself to put my foot, in, you know, one feet in front of a uh, – one step in front of the next. Uh, and it's the same way as for not looking for the next job. Mm-hmm. It's being where I am in the moment. Yes, I do follow everything. I see what's going on. Mm-hmm. You know, I have, a, I have an agent, uh, and I know I have dreams and aspirations. Uh, and sometimes you, you say, well, I never go back to the CFL. Or I never go back to college. You can't say that. You never know what might happen or where God leads you and what door opens for you. That's the right one. Mm-hmm. So I just, I just take it one day at a time, one step at a time, and just see see what's next on the agenda. Lastly, I want to get a little coach speak here before I let you go, Kerry, because you got to go into a meeting here. But uh, quickly, Gino has completed 69% of his passes, but you guys have kind of struggled on third down and struggled in the red zone. Can you put your finger on what's going on in those two aspects? You know what? It's just, it's just executing. Uh, it's just executing. You know, we we just got to make sure that we take advantage of uh, of the opportunities that's there. And uh, part of it is just uh, us as coaches making sure we put our guys in better situations that they can go out and perform. And I think once we do that and figure that out and get a beat on what teams are trying to do, uh, you'll see the the difference. Okay, and let's wrap it up on a nice note here. We talked about going into the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame. When something like that happens to you, uh, who or what pops to your mind first? 
man, one, uh, first I always give glory to God, mm-hmm. uh, and my, my parents and my brothers, you know, my God and my family, because just growing up the competitive edge that I was able to develop around my brothers, my cousins being the younger one of the group. Uh, and then like when it happened, I just started thinking about all the coaches that influenced my career. And then I think about the, the journey I had with the guys that I went into the foxhole with, and we just battled day in and day out, training camps, games, you know, all the people that, that, that poured into me to help me be who I am. You know, I really appreciate those people. And, you know, I tell them, I told them, I said, this honor is an individual honor, but man, so many people, uh, are coming with me in this honor because I couldn't do it by myself. Well, I can't wait to watch you guys on Monday Night Football against the uh, Giants. Go get them, Kerry Joseph. Thanks for your time. I uh, appreciate it, fellas. That's Kerry Joseph chatting with Michael Ball on the Western Pizza Hotline. And this news just came down about five minutes ago. TSN's Farhan Lalji, friend of the show, of course, uh, tweeted out that the BC Lions have put Colin Kaepernick on their negotiation list. So uh, something to keep your eyes for. We all know Colin Kaepernick wants to make his way back into the NFL. So that's a, a news worthy note there from Farhan Lalji as we head into break here. Hour two on the other side, Arash Madani at Sportsnet and Ben Whiting with your play now picks. And we are also going to hear from Vernon Adams Jr. on today's show chatting with Michael Ball. You are listening to the Sports Cage for the Canadian Brew House on 620 CKRM. Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show is on. And now starting an hour earlier, welcome inside the Radio Octagon. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Filling in for Michael Ball, here's Sean Kleisinger. Time now for Coast to Coast with Arash Madani, our weekly chat with a guy who has covered it all. From Hockey Night in Canada, the Olympics, World Series Baseball, and everything in between, this is Coast to Coast with Arash Madani. The Sports Cage on this Thursday brought to you by the Canadian Brew House and Coast to Coast is brought to you by Smart Investing Solutions. Be smart with your money. Call Brian Gully at Smart Investing Solutions. That number to call is 546 546- 2533. So it's going to be a great night here. October 7th, Darian Durant will highlight so many of the 2013 riders returning to Mosaic for the 10 year anniversary of the Great Cup one at home here. And Arash, you were in Regina to cover that Great Cup week. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm, uh, let's go mm-hmm. down memory lane here before we get into the football part of it. What are some things you uh, remember from that week as a whole? Well, I don't want to get too corny, Zinger, but like I just remember how much the like just how much it meant to the people of Saskatchewan. The energy everywhere. Remember Darian showing up to Ryderville a couple of nights before mm-hmm. uh, before the actual game. I think it was Luke. Actually, I think it was Mullinder who got him up on stage, just getting everybody riled up. There was such an anticipation, a buildup, and excitement. I remember being in one of the Great Cup parties and. You know, somebody just came over to me and recognized me from my day job and said, you know, I listen to you on the sports cage all the time. And he just said, this just means so much to all of us. Um, All of that, 
all of that. The night before the game, um, being out at Leopold's, the original Leopold's, before, yes. before they went corporate <laughs> on us. They had a DJ there. They started playing Green is the Color, and everybody kind of locked arms and started singing. I'm looking around being like, where am I right now? <laughs> um, but it was such a cool time because, you know, yeah. when when do you get an opportunity like that for, you know, where football really matters uh, for the home team to be playing in it, and obviously they won it. Um, I thought that was that was really neat. Where does where does that Grey Cup week rank as far as the Grey Cup weeks and games that you've covered? Well, it's it was the coldest week. Like I remember a couple of the cats got got, yeah. uh, got frostbite, but then the game, the actual game day was was so mild. Remember Tom Hanks showed up. I think mm-hmm. Martin Short or yep. showed up. Um, it was definitely different and we've done great cups over the years with the home team in it like you know toronto won the 100th great cup and nobody even noticed in, in the city but um that one was very unique that one was that you know like you remember that one and one thing i do you know another thing i remember from it it was a few days before we were scrumming darian in one of those side rooms at the old place at the old stadium and he was saying that, you know, I think it was Kirk Penton at the time was with the Winnipeg Sun, asked Darian, you know, who are you thinking about on Sunday? And he said, my grandmother was sent to hospice, but now she's out of hospice care, took a turn for the better, and, you know, I'm thinking about her. So, you know, for everybody, that whole week meant something different, from the players to the people in the, in the city, even for an outsider coming in to see, you know, what this whole thing was all about. Yeah, and thinking about the game itself, I mean, like Corey Sheets rushed for a bunch of yards. I mean, G. Roy got those TDs. Henry Burris, I remember that fumble like it was yesterday. Mm-hmm. Ken Austin, uh, Ken Austin, very angry on the sidelines. Uh, what else do you remember about that game when you think about the 2013 Grey Cup? You know what? Like the actual football part, all those things, especially G. Roy, right? G. Roy had come in, hired gun. Didn't do much during the season. Then when it really mattered, he was there. Um, I remember the um, the opening introductions where they just basically, the, the riders, Ricky Foley and a bunch of guys just <laughs> defied what the CFL wanted them to do with individual intros. But what was, you know, in a game like that, Zinger, when it's a runaway, you know, when there's no drama at the end, it was just an all-out celebration. It was relief, it was joy, it was people in the stands, some in disbelief. Like, this really happened. This is really happening. This is really going on. All of that was really cool. So what was the vibe like after the game? Uh, do, you, do you remember much about that, like in the locker room and stuff? I remember walking in the locker room. I remember Brendan Labat. God bless Brendan Labat. Brendan Labat pushing around an equipment cart that's usually used for like, you know, dirty practice jerseys or dirty towels, pushing this blue equipment cart around, plastic blue equipment cart, filled with ice and beer, and just handing a cold one to anybody. (laughs) And he was on top of the world. And Brendan and I, five years prior, had worked together um, with the Bombers. I was in the front office. Labatt was a rookie, first round pick of the team that year. And he looked at me, and I just smiled. And he just yelled, he's like, Rash, we're getting loose tonight. <laughs> I mean, even stoic, unflappable Brendan Labatt, as a Sasky kid, it was cool for him. 
says Coast to Coast with Arash Madani for Smart Investing Solutions here on the Western Pizza Hotline. And I want to talk about this as well, Arash, because uh, we just had Carrie Joseph on about, oh, 15 minutes ago before we uh, broke for Amazing. the news. We uh, chatted with Carrie Joseph. So uh, from one Riders Championship run to another, uh, it was announced yesterday that KJ, he's going to be inducted into the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame. And you worked with uh, Carrie and... On Twitter, you posted, you know, a nice Hall of Fame person becomes a Hall of Fame quarterback. So, uh, what are your thoughts on this, Kerry Joseph, going into the Louisiana Sports Hall? Oh man, so many things when I saw that. So many thoughts yesterday when I saw that. Um, Kerry and I worked together for two years in Ottawa in uh, in Renegade 04 and days. 05. Yeah. yeah, remember Zinger when he broke? Like when he came north, he was a running back and a safety in the yeah. NFL. <laughs> And I don't know if he talked about this in the segment. Like, think about the pro career he had in the CFL and how long of a career he had in the CFL and leading the Riders that 07 Grey Cup. That dude showed up as the sixth quarterback on the depth chart in Ottawa. And yeah. not even by midseason, he was the starter. Now, that that's a lottery ticket. But that was Kerry Joseph. And now we think about the big, strong quarterback who can run, throw on the run, how important that is in the game. Um, that was Kerry. But Kerry was a hell of a leader. Kerry was somebody who looked out for so many people in the organization. And it didn't matter what your job in the organization was. It didn't matter if you were the star receiver or the assistant equipment person or just one a member of the training staff or somebody who helped sell tickets. If you were on Kerry's team, you were on Kerry's team. Yeah. You're his teammate. And and he just treated everybody everybody really, really well. And that I'll remember that especially a lot about KJ. And I talked about this in hour one as well. Uh to me. Like Kerry Joseph is my favorite Riders quarterback of all time because w- when you think about it, like uh, for babies born in the early 90s, this was that 2017 was the first taste of a, a championship that uh, us young Rider fans got to experience, right? I mean, we waited all of our short lives at the time. I think I was, I can't do the math right now, whatever. I was in my teens when the Riders won the first, uh, their first championship in my lifetime. So KJ was the quarterback that brought home the Grey Cup to Saskatchewan for the first time in my life, literally. So well, when I, you think and, about and it. Think about that. Yeah. And think about that, Zinger. Like, and prior to that, you know, the, the previous championship was Ridgeway, and in between was a lot of losing. Mm-hmm. And, and a telethon to keep the team alive, and a lot of empty seats. You know what Kerry Joseph and that team, but Kerry Joseph is the, you know, the star quarterback, the franchise quarterback, face of the franchise. What Kerry Joseph did was change and elevate the expectation of what the Saskatchewan Rough Riders football team should be. Mm-hmm. Because before 2007, nobody talked about winning a championship because it felt so far-fetched. And then KJ and that group did it. And they lifted that trophy. And Gene Mikowski lifted that trophy and jumped up and down on that podium. And and that, that you know, I, I get what 2013 was and how important it was to win at home, et cetera. But without the 2007 championship, there's no new Mosaic Stadium. Mm-hmm. Without the 2007 championship, the season ticket sales don't go up. Without 2007... 
this radio show probably isn't, mm-hmm. you know, the staple that it is. But but when you win and when you bring a championship back, it just changes the dynamic altogether. Yeah, people think I'm crazy when I say it, but I always say that the 2007 Grey Cup Championship is my favorite rider championship of all time because that's the first time, like we were saying, people my age, that's the first time we got to see the riders as champions. So that's that's kind of like Kerry Joseph's uh, lasting legacy. Just, just the thing that you just said there, you know, it elevated the expectations here in Ryderville. Well, it should be Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. Right, uh, <laughs> you, beat, yeah. you beat your rivals too. Don't forget. Yeah, like, that that too. And Mister Dinwiddie, of course, was the quarterback. Which is right. crazy to think about walking down memory lane. So Rash Madani for a quick um moment here. Uh, so Joseph, he also spent time in Toronto as well. A quick uh, cup of coffee. Uh, the Argos by far the best team in the CFL. In Zinger's humble opinion, and a lot of people's humble opinions, uh, but you still think that you know this Argos team—they don't get the attention and the love that they deserve. They're twelve and one. Yeah, that's a pretty good record. Last time I checked, that's a pretty good record, right? They are twelve and one, and nobody in Toronto knows a thing about them, and. I, like I think that if almost any other team in the league was twelve and one, they'd be talking about history and where they rank all time and all those kinds of things. And the Argos seem like an afterthought. Well, I mean, look, I, I know Zinger, you guys are a writer's show, but in reality, the sports cage is a CFL show. Mm-hmm. How much Argos do you guys talk? We talk a lot of Argos, actually. Do you? Yeah. Okay, okay, that surprises me. No. Um, well, I shouldn't say a lot. Uh, like we have, we have Mike Hogan on the airwaves, maybe maybe twice a month. The voice of the Toronto Argonauts. So, like we we sure. we we like to spread the love throughout the teams. Yeah, I just think that you know the way we would talk about other teams if they were twelve and one. You know, if if I don't know Patrick Mahomes and KC are twelve and one, when if mm-hmm. Tom Brady and the Patriots were twelve and one, what would the narrative be around them? Yeah. If uh, Trevor Harris, I just say Trevor because he started the season with the Riders. Trevor led the Riders to a 12-1 and start. Imagine what that narrative would be. Yeah. Um, it's just different with these Argos. I guess the question is, what, why is it? Why is that? Is it simply because they play in a huge city and, you know, not many? I don't know. It's It's the same old tale of, you know... It seemed like for a while there, the Argos, they were making a nice little push. They had some nice crowds. I think a lot of that may be tied in with uh, the the fair that was in town there. But uh, I don't know. Things are looking up as far as I'm concerned. The Toronto Argonauts, they should be getting the love of Rash because they are 12-1 and and they are going into Winnipeg to take on the Blue Bombers without Chad Kelly. But uh, what's his name? Uh, what's the quarterback's name again? Dukes. Dukes is going to be getting a start for uh, the Toronto Argonauts. I think he was like a, a Div 3 quarterback, Div 2 quarterback, or maybe he was an NAIA quarterback. I can't even remember where he came from, but Cameron Dukes will be getting the start. And this this just tells you how badly the Argos need Chad Kelly to be healthy. No, I know, right? Right? Like this is, it's, you know, and, and Baldy and I talked about this the other day. This is where you really start to wonder, like, okay, we, how do you manage chat where you want to keep him sharp, but you have to keep him healthy, and why bother going to Winnipeg and putting a bunch of stuff on film for him? I, 
Look, here, here's my take on this. If I'm the Toronto Argonaut, I play Chad Kelly six to eight quarters total the rest of the way. Ooh. Just to and sim- I'm not saying two four-quarter games. I'm saying if it's a half here and a half there, just make sure he's, you know, he's keeping up on his P's and Q's, keeping that rhythm. You can't turn it on and off. I actually think the Argos' toughest game is going to be the East Final because they will not have played a meaningful football game in about seven weeks by the time that rolls around. Yeah, that's like two months we're talking about. Two months here. <laughs> you know, so they'll be coming off a bye where, like, I almost wonder if the final week of the season is when Dinwiddie kind of plays everybody for three quarters yeah, and then shuts it down for the fourth. I don't know. I don't know. Arash Madani, Packers or Lions tonight? We are never the Packers, oh, Zinger. We are uh, we're the Lions. By the way, congratulations, Zinger. Yeah. I know we texted about this. Dame Lillard going to Milwaukee. Oh, that's right, too. This was supposed fan. to be a Buck segment. We got off track. That's right. Dame is track. coming to Milwaukee. Dame is coming to Milwaukee. I'll stop. The listeners are turning off the dial now. Hey, Rash, this has been fun, my friend. As always, we'll talk to you on uh, Tuesday next week. Thanks, Inger. That's Arash Danny coast to coast on the Western Pizza Hotline. I'm so glad we got to talk a little bit about Dame Lillard coming to the Milwaukee Bucks as uh, Arash just hung up mid-sentence there. That's funny. Hey, we're going to hit the break here. You are listening to the Sports Cage for the Canadian Brew House on 620 CKRM. I'm Blaine Wyland with your sports ticker for Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They'll treat you right, 781-2090. The Toronto Blue Jays will hopefully score a run and maybe win a game against the New York Yankees after being shut out the last two games. The Blue Jays will wrap up their three-game sit with the Bronx Bombers tonight in Toronto. A couple of changes to the Blue Jays lineup. Brandon Belt will bat second, while Bo Bichette will bat cleanup. Chris Bassett will get the start for the Jays, who are a couple games up on Seattle. They still control their destiny, but definitely need to pick up some wins down the final four games in order to secure their playoff spot. So news on the gridiron today. Colin Kaepernick has been added to the negotiation list of the BC Lions. This is the fourth time that Kaepernick has been added to a CFL's team negotiation list. He was previously on the Ticast negotiation list back in 2017 and as well in 2020. And the Montreal Alouettes had Kaepernick on their negotiation list back in 2018. Earlier today, the XFL and the USFL announced that they would be Merging next season, and it's not reported what, not confirmed what the name will be. Although there has been some trademark uh, been circulation cir- circling around of the National Spring Football League that could be coming to next spring. Of course, close to the home, the Saskatchewan Roughers will be in action tomorrow night as they will take on the BC Lions. And coverage here on 620 CKRM begins with Kent on the kickoff at 5:30. The opening kickoff with Michael Ball and Luke Mulder is set for 8:30. And that is your sports ticker. Sports Cage is your voice for football, not only in the province, but around Canada. This is the Sports Cage CFL Report, a look at what's happening in our three-down game. It's 4.34 inside the Sports Cage, and your CFL Report is brought to you by Kevin's Marine. And yes, sir, Colin Kaepernick is indeed on the BC Lions negotiation list. Hasn't signed with the Lions, nobody freak out. He is just on the list so the Lions can, you know, negotiate a contract with them if they want or if he wants. But, uh, you know, 
we see this all the time, a lot of players on lists and nothing comes of it, but only time will tell. And the other news in the Canadian Football League today, Stampeders linebacker Micah Alway has received a max fine for a fourth high hit of the season. Four fines, no suspensions for Micah Alway. Hmm. Going to hit the break here. Michael Ball chatting with Ben Whiting with the Play Now Picks. Nobody covers your team like our team. This is the Sports Cage on the Mighty 620 CKRM. Thursday shows brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. All the sports under one roof, including Thursday Night Football, Detroit, and Green Bay. We'll get into that in a second. They got a great menu over there, lots of great uh, specials, and lots of great winning down there at the Canadian Brew House. Okay, so let's talk to Ben Whiting, playnow.com. We always do this uh, on Thursdays. Uh, ben, before we get to that huge matchup, you're a coach for the Huskies now. You got the UBC Thunderbirds rolling into town, undefeated, a familiar face, Mason Nias coming to town. It should be a slobber knocker of a game. Yeah, no kidding. Absolute barn burner coming up this Friday. Uh, super excited for it. Uh, like you said, been helping out coach with the Huskies. We had a great week of prep and it's, uh, it's one of the best offenses in Canada going against one of the best defenses in Canada and two of the best teams in Canada. That's for sure. So, uh, I always think that the, you know, the Western conference and U sports is the most competitive. So it's going to be a good one. That's for sure. And you want to reclaim home advantage again. You lost it to Alberta first time since 2018. You guys lost a home game there. Yeah, no, you, you, no one likes coming into. <laughs> we don't like when anyone's coming into our house and and uh, gives us a, a hard time. But yeah, we gotta we gotta get back on our feet here. We got back in the win column last week and looking to do keep that trend coming. Okay, so let's start in reverse order. We always do NFL last. Let's do CF or NFL first. Pardon me. The Green Bay Packers and Detroit Lions. We get a. a for a change, a really good Thursday night game. Both teams are two and one. I'm a little more of a believer in the Detroit Lions, though, to be honest with you. Uh, Jordan Love has had his receivers kind of bail him out a bit. He's got a 53% passer rating. I'm going to go with the Lions on the road. They're coming off a seven sack performance over the Falcons. Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm kind of with you there on that one, Mike. I I mean, to me, the Packers just have too many question marks. And that seems a little bit crazy to say when, you know, in years past when it's ever Packers versus Lions, it'd be a no-brainer for the Packers. But, yeah, I and I, I just can't say enough good things about uh, the Detroit Lions, kind of that culture they're creating. Dan Campbell, that gritty, tough uh, culture, I absolutely love it. I buy in all the way. I'm a big sucker for that stuff. So uh, I'm taking the Lions on this one, too. Okay, what's the uh, – is it the money line? What's that at, my friend? Money line – is at Detroit Lions at a 1.73 to the Green Bay Packers, 2.15. So uh, Lions are actually favored in this one. Once again, I, I don't know if in the past decade that we would have ever saw that, but obviously with all the question marks, no Aaron Rodgers. Uh, we don't really know what kind of football team the Packers are yet. they still finding their identity. At least we know that the Lions are physical. They hit. And they aren't going to quit. They're not just going to roll over. Yeah, that's a good point. Also, you can make so many different uh, uh, prop bets there at play now with the NFL. Uh, you have an interesting one in the in the in the total number of points and how it ends. 
Yeah, absolutely. So if you go over to the playnow.com sportsbook, head over to the NFL section, you'll find this game. Uh, it's an interesting one. It's a team prop bet for the Detroit Lions, and it's kind of one of those gimmicky, fun, silly lines. Detroit Lions, total points, odd or even. So if they finish with uh, yeah, only score seven points, that's an odd number. You would then pay out at 1.87 odds. If they finish the score with an even number, that's at 1.83. So we're flipping a coin. I'm taking the odd number just because the odds are higher. Potential greater per, uh, potential greater payout. But I, I just love those little joke lines. It's just always good. Gets the blood flowing. Okay, so the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are at home. Early in the week, they were favored by three, but then it was revealed Chad Kelly wouldn't play, and everybody in Winnipeg's crying because they don't. Oh, come on, play your quarterback. Come on, the CFL deserves it. I said blame the schedule maker. Don't blame the Argos. They're the best team. They can do whatever they want. So I would assume Winnipeg is the play here with the money line. But So tell us what the money line is for the Bombers to win at home. So for the Bombers to win at home, the money line's at 3.6 to Winnipeg's 1.31. Now, I wrote this line down, uh, obviously, for, for the reasons you just spoke about. They're not playing Chad Kelly. I believe Toronto's already secured, like, home playoffs. Oh, yeah. So they have absolutely no reason to, to you know, put it, put forth any effort in this game. They're already resting their starting quarterback. I'm sure they're resting a ton of other players across the board. Right now, Toronto's getting right for the playoffs, the actual season. They have no reason to be invested in this game. Develop your younger guys uh, and let them get some live game reps. And that said, Winnipeg's still still in the mix. They're obviously going to make playoffs. Winnipeg's probably going to go deep, and they're a really good team. So I think this Brett's a little bit of an easy one. Uh, and obviously that's reflected in the money line with Winnipeg being heavily favored at 1.13 to the Argos 3.6. Toronto's resting their guys. Winnipeg doesn't have that luxury. I'm taking Winnipeg money line. Okay, so the Rough Riders play the BC Lions tomorrow. The Riders have played the Lions pretty uh, tough this year. They beat them last time 34-29. They lost 19-9 in Mason, our Mason of Fine's first start of the uh, season there in BC, a 19-9 game. Um, the spread's at 10. I don't know that the Riders win, but I think they make a, a pretty good statement here and get to within 10. Yeah, you know what, Mike? It's getting harder and harder and harder to bet on the Riders every week this season. So, yeah, like you said, I'm hoping the Rough Riders win, or if they lose, they keep it within 10. That's all I'm asking here, all right? I need a Rough Rider win or for them to lose by less than 10. And that, if I just need the Rough Riders to do that. Uh, if they do that, I'll be happy. I'm taking the spread. It's been a couple of rough weeks for them. Um, um, but that's where I'm at right now with betting on the Rough Riders. We're taking the plus 10 spread. Please, that's all I'm asking for. All right. And the Rough Riders, I think they've got capability to score points, either on uh, special teams or on offense. They don't do it much on defense. Uh, I think the Riders can can get above 20 points. How about you? Yeah, absolutely. So the the over-under for just the Saskatchewan Rough Riders for this game on the playnow.com sportsbook is at 19.5, meaning if they're going to hit the over, which is what I'm betting, they have to score 20 points or more, which, I mean, Mike, we're, is this, this is Canadian football, man. It's an offensive game. you got all these weapons at receiver, uh, running backs back, all that sort of stuff. 
Usually at the beginning of the uh, season, offensive coordinators, defensive coordinators will come together, and the defensive coordinator will say, or an offensive coordinator will say to the defensive coordinator, we got a budget for you. And usually that budget is around 21 points a game. You have to be able to score more than 20 points a game. To me, this over-under is extremely low. And I, I know the Rough Riders had their growing pains with quarterbacks and all that sort of stuff. Uh, but other than really in the in the past few weeks getting their lights punched out by Winnipeg uh, on the road at Winnipeg, they have been over able to score more than 20 points. So I'm taking the over on Saskatchewan to score more than 19.5 points at 1.83 odds. I think that's a generous line, uh, and I'm I'm going to try and take advantage of it. Okay, that's awesome. How do they sign up? Playnow.com. For sure. So all you got to do, it's in the name. Type in playnow.com on your phone desktop tablet whatever way you're on the internet hit the join button in top right hand corner uh four easy steps to enter your personal information once we have you verified that you're over the age of 19 you're a resident of saskatchewan and uh you're able to play you enter your financial information so you can deposit there's tons of different ways to deposit it's whatever's easiest for you uh, and from there, you have access to over 500 different slot games, our live casino, and the brand new Play Now Saskatchewan Sportsbook app uh, that's available for Apple fo- uh, Apple phone users. So go over to the App Store, download the Play Now Saskatchewan Sportsbook app. You have access to NFL games, CFL games, NCAA games. You can already bet on the Super Bowl. Uh, there's tons of stuff that you're able to bet on. I'm, I'm looking at the sportsbook now. I see cricket. I see bull riding. I see <laughs> football. I don't even know what that is. So there's tons to bet on. Uh, the only thing we do ask is that we gamble responsibly, right? Yeah. Gambling's supposed to be fun. Uh, it's supposed to be like going to the movies. That's how you spend your entertainment dollars. Um, so we always make sure that our, our, our customers are over the age of 19 and they're using their game sense, making sure gambling's fun and not harmful. Ben, thanks for your time, man. It's always fun. Beautiful. Yep, thanks for having me on, Mike. Where Saskatchewan sports fans come to talk, this is The Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. The Toronto Blue Jays will try to get back in the win column tonight. They have been uh, very lackluster the past couple games versus the New York Yankees, losing back-to-back games versus them. Seems like the Jays are trying to do everything possible to not make the playoffs right now. Uh, I think they have still like a 90% chance to make it just because all the AL West teams are just going at each other right now. So the... Jays are kind of staying status quo, if you will. They are a half a game up as it sits right now over the Houston Astros for the second wild card spot in the American League. And uh, the Jays, they play one more versus the Yankees tonight, and then they wrap up the season at home with three versus the Tampa Bay Rays. And those games for the Rays, very meaningful because, I mean, I believe the AL East, yeah, it's still up for grabs right now. I mean, Baltimore has 99 wins. Tampa Bay has 97 wins. So it's going to come right down to the end. But I I swear, at this point, it doesn't really matter who you play, obviously. I mean, the Jays, they're losing games to the Yankees, who have 81 wins right now. So, you know, watch the Jays, like, sweep the Rays now. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be, like, mind-boggling, I think. But uh, as it sits, Toronto will play Tampa Bay 
in the first or in the wild card series if the season ended right now with uh, the Houston Astros taking on the Minnesota Twins. And in the National League, the Miami Marlins, they're tied with the Chicago Cubs for the last wild card spot. And that's going to come right down to the end. So it's going to be interesting to see. So if the season ended right now in the National League, the Chicago Cubs or the Miami Marlins, since they're tied, I have to say that, would take on the Milwaukee Brewers in the wild card round and the Arizona Diamondbacks would take on the Philadelphia Phillies in the wild card round with the Atlanta Braves and the LA Dodgers getting the bye into the divisional series so the Atlanta Braves man they are 102 wins I can't remember Blank did I ask you your uh, World Series prediction last week or the week prior Uh, I don't think if I didn't what is it what, what? Do you have one? Well, in, in April, it was actually Toronto-Atlanta. That's it. Yeah, yeah. But now nice rematch I'm, of 92. I'm, I don't like the Jays' chances right now. No, you don't got a good vibe, huh? <laughs> Does, how the heck can you have a good vibe with this team right now, quite honestly? Well, the offense is just infuriating to watch. It's I mean, just... Uh, where's Vladdy Guerrero Jr. at? I mean... The other night, I mean... Was it bases loaded? You had like a three zero count. He's been like that all for, you know. I'm I like to think myself as an optimistic Blue Jays fan, but I I'm just you know been waiting for this offense to wake up, wake up, wake up. It's not waking up. Like it's a, it's September and uh, they're showing no signs of life right now. Like back to back games against the Yankees with no runs. Like it just seems like when the pressure's on. The offense wilters, you know? Like, yeah, they did come on strong after that series against Texas, but they still lost that series against Texas. Like, mm-hmm. uh, it just seems like the the good teams they lose to. And it's hard. I mean, you can't win the playoffs when you can't beat the good teams, obviously. So I, I, I'm very skeptical about their chances right now. Very, very streaky team. So there's four games remaining on the regular season schedule for Toronto. They would have to go 3-1 and one to get to 90 wins. Not saying they need 90 wins to make the playoffs. But, you know, the 90 win mark is kind of like the it's always like the the win mark that teams kind of aim for. It just looks good. You know, 90 wins in the standings. But uh, we'll see what happens tonight. The opening pitch at 5.07 from Rogers Center as uh, Chris Bassett gets the start on the hill tonight for the Bluebirds. Well, yesterday before the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, uh, well, the Riders left to Vancouver today, but yesterday they were putting the final uh, touches on their practice. Uh, General Manager Jeremy O'Day caught up with the media. We played a few minutes of it yesterday, but I want to play the the latter half of it because, you know, it's not very often that we get to hear from the general manager, Jeremy O'Day, uh, you know, talk about his football team. He, We can't talk to him every single day like we do Coach Dickinson. So I do want to air you, I do want to air this for you. Uh, Jeremy O'Day chatting with the media yesterday after practice. You know, I think it's my job to, um, you know, to evaluate every game and, and, and the personnel and, and, and to have those conversations. I mean, Coach and I always, we have conversations at the start of every week. Actually, we usually have the conversations right at the end of the game with, you know, if there's a couple of guys that are injured, you know, what are we thinking? Um, you know, do we have a guy in house? Do we need to bring a guy in? Do we, you know, what's the, what's the injury situation look like so that we can kind of prepare worst case if we had uh, injuries? And then, and then you're, and then you're right. We'll always have conversations about, um, you know, if there's a guy on the practice roster, if he's on the, uh, the one, one game reserved, um, you know, is it, uh, would, would this player be an upgrade if we played him? You know, do we want to think about maybe making a change? Um, again, 
it's a little bit more difficult. I know everyone um, thinks that you just you just make some changes and, and away you go. But you know, it's a four, it's a forty five man roster. You have a couple guys on on the one game injured, and then you have your practice roster guys. It's not like you have a bunch of guys. But um, but you do um, we do have those conversations and um, and and everything. You know, if I see something from the game that I, that I'll that I want to talk to him about or have a question about, or or if I see something that I that I think could help improve us. Um, uh, then I then I definitely will bring it up and um, and everyone does like everyone in the building I think everyone should understand like the the sky's not falling inside this stadium I know that there's lots of talk and we lost three games and uh, you're, you're in a rut and you want to pull out of it but the guys are are not uh, thinking that uh, oh boy the season's going going astray they're they're just focused in on the next week and and trying to win a football game and um, it changes real quick when you win games. What has Dalla brought to your team, and has it surprised you? Um, I mean, he, he's he's kind of shown some of the stuff that intrigued us all along with him. He's just you know super poised. Obviously, has a big arm, and um, you know I think when he got into the Toronto game there, and we went down the field so fast with a couple of big plays in the Toronto game, it was pretty exciting to see how quickly we could score. Um, um, and that's one of the things that you see is is just the capability of the big play uh, with Jake and. Um, just such a strong arm. I think early on the defenses were underestimating that he could make the throws that he was making, and you could see that some of the defensive backs were undercutting stuff and not realizing, holy cow, we just threw it over my head and, and away you go. But um, just uh, you know, it, it it gets you excited with you have the potential to score because because of his arm strength. And then you know, Jake is if, as everyone in the room is is probably witnessed from from talking to him, he's very confident, but um, you know, not not arrogant or, or anything like that. But he's he's confident in his abilities and and he's very calm. Like you know, sometimes you wonder if he's he's breathing um but that's that's a good thing that's what you want in the, the huddle and you want it to uh to be someone that's going to be steady in the huddle and, and not uh, not be up and down okay, you won't talk about you next year how about jake Dalagana next year <laughs> again there's there's a lot of, a lot of football and a lot a lot of unknowns to uh to, to give an evaluation to two-thirds of the season then is is probably not fair but um you know we we like good football players and we'll you know we'll see where where everyone goes again i, I don't think it's super fair to to talk about um anyone's situation past this year when we're in the middle of the season and trying to make a playoff run i just don't think that's fair because then the guy next to you is going to say well what about me and and uh, what does that mean for me and what and then there's just stuff that they shouldn't have to worry about that's that's stuff that's going to take care of itself as time goes on and um the same same thing with my my personal situation is you know that there's a time for for to have those discussions. Do you traditionally leave everything to the end of the season? Um, you know, some it it depends. Um, there is there is some situations where, you know, you can look at extending guys. We've done it in the past, and 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 we do do that. We we consider that of you know when's the right time to do that. The key is 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 just what I said is trying to do that trying to do that when it's not going to make a distraction because um you know if you do it for one guy then the next guy says you know what, what about me i'm i think i'm playing well and and you don't want them thinking about their contract and i know i know you guys want me to talk about it and talk about my own situation but um it's just not something you really focus in on um you see some teams doing it here and there um again if you're in a different situation, we're, we're we're trying to make a playoff push, and you don't really want any distractions. If you're in first place and you're you're rolling along, and everyone's everyone's happy, and you and you don't have the 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 the, uh, the added pressure, then then maybe that's a time to do that. Jeremy, from your perspective, this is a couple questions ago, but just what do you think needs to change right now to get out of this? It's like you guys are on. Yeah. Um, 
I'm sorry this is going to sound like uh, the same old answer you hear from from football administration all the time, but reality is there's certain things that happen in the game um, that, that are real critical to the game, and I think a big one is, is turnovers. I think we've got to do a better job of protecting the football. I think in particular this last game, the game kind of got out of hand because of turnovers. If you look at it, we were... Um, when the game started, I thought we were probably going to run away with it the way we were uh, we were playing in the beginning of the game, and, uh, and then we had a couple turnovers right before half where we were we were up six, and then we were down six when we went in half, and I think that that affected us coming out, and then we continued to turn the ball over, and so you know turnovers are a critical thing, but you know as far as what we're getting from our players, I I, I do get a little upset when people talk about people's effort because um, people don't understand um, what the players put in for effort and uh, it's hard for me to, to look at even that game last week and say that our players didn't play with effort. We were down uh, 20, 21 or 24 points and we return a, a punt for for 107 yards which is hard enough to do and then we then we well, then we do a great onside kick and get the ball back. Then our offense goes down and scores, and we almost we almost executed another one, which which was the, I don't know what the probability of a comeback at, at that point was, but um, you know that says a lot about a team that doesn't give up and they're out there, um, you know, trying to make a comeback in a situation like that. So um, the effort level from our players is there. Sometimes things don't go your way in football games, and. Um, you know, I, I would assume that everyone in their personal life, when something doesn't doesn't go wrong, your body language isn't always the best. And so, um, you know, uh, we're just looking looking forward to um, you know making a push here. And I think that um, I know that we've lost some games in a row here, but I think it's important to understand that we're we're in third place right now. And um, you know, we need to we need to win some games to secure a playoff spot, and then anything can happen. Um, but. Uh, this team is not feeling like uh, our season is over by any means. They're they're focusing on the next week, and you know, we, we in order to get in, we need to win some games. Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show is on, and now starting an hour earlier. Welcome inside the Radio Octagon. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Filling in for Michael Ball. Here's Sean Kleisinger. All right, uh, Thursday show is brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. We're joined on the Western Pizza Hotline by Vernon Adams Jr. How are you doing today, VA? Man, I'm good, Mike. How you doing? Doing great. Hey, so the last time you were in playing the Rough Riders in Saskatchewan, man, you had it going 451 yards. What's it like to be in a zone like that? Oh, man, um, that, that was a great game. You know, um, we started slow. You know, they went up on us early and, you know, we had to, we had to, um, you know, come from behind and, and play from behind. So, you know, when you're coming from behind, it's like you're playing like there's nothing to lose, you know. So I was just, just trying to get the guys the ball and, and score as many times as we can. I ultimately, you know, Saf stopped us on that last time we had the ball, uh, which, man, they got a really good defense. So, um, yeah, it was, it was a tough, tough one, but great game. Yeah. So listen. When you're like that and you're playing like that, do you, do you kind of feel like a point guard on that offense? You're just distributing it here to this guy and this guy and this guy because you got a lot of weapons, man. Yes, man. I think uh, we've got the the best receiving core in the league, and um, I'm not just saying that. You know, I, I've said that before, even before I got here. That these guys over here are electric, man. So just uh, yeah, like you said, point guard, just trying to get everyone some touches, everyone. 
uh, is good at what they do, different things. We got big bodies to go up and get it. We got fast guys. We got all-purpose guys, yak guys, things like that. So, um, yeah, just trying to get these guys the ball and let the playmakers do the rest. Vernon, how important was it for you to go to BC last year uh, to to kind of build up some credibility and just hear me out for a second because you're with a new team. Nathan Rourke goes down. You still do a great job getting that team to the playoffs, and then he comes in and you guys are a whisker away from going to the Grey Cup. But you know, building up that cred with your new teammates last year really set the table for you this year, I would think. Or am I wrong when I'm saying that? No, I think you're, you you got some going there. Um, the it was good for me to come here, get a new new scenery, you know, and uh, a different type of coaching. Um, I think uh, Jordan McSimic, our offensive coordinator, has really helped me, um, you know, in my reads as a quarterback and um, helped me in my development as well. So, you know, I think it was really good for my career for me to come here and learn from him and then just get with these guys. Like you said, we went 4-2 and two when, when I took over. Um, and you know, the guys respected me. They respected my leadership. They respected me as a person on and off the field. And, um, it, it, the, the feelings are mutual, you know, and, um, I was just happy to sign back here and get another opportunity. I remember Gary Etcheberry telling me a long time ago, you watch at Vernon Adams Jr. on the Rough Riders, the third, the third guy on the depth chart. He's going to be the guy. And I don't know that you've ever really gotten a fair shake. I'm not saying that, uh, you know that you wouldn't have wanted to do better in other stops, but do you really feel like this is a, this is a, you know it's where you belong, where you belong, and where you're getting a real fair shake to to lead a team? Yeah, again, like I said, just I got some real coaching. You know, places other places I've been, I you know I never really had anyone, an older quarterback, kind of um, hold me and say, hey, or not hold me, but just you know, kind of grab onto me and just tell me, like, hey, this is how we read things. This is how you study. This is how you do things. It's a different game. You know, I kind of just, my first six years, I was just doing it off of just athletic ability. And now, you know, I got to learn from Trevor Harris last year before leaving Montreal and then learning from Jordan as well. And, you know, the guys over here, uh, just like I said, just how to read differences differently and just, yeah, just, just go about that like that. Hey, last time the Riders played you there, it was 19-9, to and you suffered a knee injury. Uh, what goes through your mind when something like that happens? I, you know, I'm the opposing uh, a broadcaster, and I, you know, I want to see my team win, but I never want to see an elite athlete go down like yourself. But what's running through your mind when that happens? Right. You know, I just, just can thank God that it wasn't season-ending. You know, it wasn't as bad as some of the other quarterbacks in the league who, you know, I pray for every day. Uh, you know, that the rehab process is going great and everything. So, um, uh, yeah, I was just thankful it wasn't too bad. I think I, we, I missed two games and uh, was back at it. So um, that that's it, really. It did suck, you know, coming out. My dad came to that game. It was his first time in Canada, first game he came to, and I got hurt in the first quarter. So that sucked, mm-hmm. but thankful that I was able to get back out there. So has that uh, been part of your maturation process, too, taking care of your body, or have you always been good at that? Yeah, no. Um, I think just just last year I started doing that, just really taking care of my body as well, you know. The, and this year is like the first time I've lifted four times a week during every single week, no matter what. And um, I think it's helping me as well. You know, that's a knee thing. You you don't like lift your knee or two. You know, stuff mm-hmm. like that. It just freak accidents happen. But as far as just feeling healthy and and ready to go each week, like. This is the best, you know, I felt in my career just because I've been, you know, taking care of my body, working out, eating right. 
you know, the Rough Riders have been struggling. They've been struggling on the road. But you know what happens when you play a team that's backed up into a corner and uh, trying to solidify things themselves. So what are you expecting from the Saskatchewan Rough Riders on Friday? Man, I'm expecting their best, man. Um, just like you said, um, they're, they're backed up in the corner right now. They're, they're trying to get in these playoffs. Um, they, they got a lot to fight for, you know what I'm saying? They want to come over here and, and, and try to get one. And, uh, we want to try to stop them from doing that, you know, so cause we have a lot to play for too. We're trying to get a home field playoff game and, and go from there. So, uh, I know we're going to get their best and I'm excited. I love playing against guys at their best. Never mind that, VA. You guys got a chance to finish first, and let's be honest, you went to Winnipeg last year. That's never an easy place to play, and you don't want to go there when it's cold. You'd rather be under the big top in Vancouver, your fans with one game to get to the Grey Cup. Absolutely. That's, that's you know, uh, we don't want to look past these riders, though, but we know in the long run that is the goal, but we have to handle business this week. I'm sorry it's got to be against you guys, but we just have to handle business this week, and I hope we can. Um, and then that way we can worry about Winnipeg when it's time to worry about Winnipeg and then try to lock up. La- lastly, about the riders and their defense. What do you, I know they've been getting gashed on the ground, but what are you seeing from that defense that you're going to be particularly paying attention to? Uh, the D-line, They're, those guys are dogs up front, man. Um, 91, 45, I know 90's hurt, but he was so good, too. Um, you know, 49, the, the draft pick, you know, Micah. Micah Johnson's playing the best ball he's played in the last few years. So, um, you know, and Larry Dean, he, he's always been one of my favorite leaders um, on a football field. So um, I know he's going to have those guys ready to go. And, um, you know, I just kind of be on my P's and Q's and get my playmakers the ball. You know, I, uh, you, you go against these guys, Vernon. Last question. I like uh, squeezing them in here because you're an insightful guy. So you, you go against these guys, but you respect them. Like a guy like a Zach Kalaros, probably the greatest comeback story in the last 30, 40 years in the CFL. If this was the States, they'd be doing a 30 for 30 on him. But then you look at Larry Dean, the guy in his mid thirties has an Achilles tear. That could be it for anybody. He comes back last. Last year, second on the team in tackles and is really the anchor on the Riders' defense and, and just a gentleman, too. Yeah, man, he, he's a great dude, man, on and off the field. I had a chance to be on his team in uh, Hamilton just for the training camp in the first week of the season and just seeing how he leads and he brings the defense together after a good series or bad series or whatever. Um, like you said, he tore Achilles and come back and have 100-plus tackles like – the dude, he's a he's a beast, man, and um, I love watching him. Um, so yeah, I just I'm happy for him. Not gonna lie to you, bro. I I I uh, I um I wish you the best in terms of health and safety on the field. I hope you throw for 350 yards, but you still lose on Friday. I have to say that, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. I know it's only right. So I appreciate it, though. Uh, thank you for the time, man. Appreciate it. It's time to step into the radio octagon. You're tuned to the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. Yeah, welcome inside the Radio Octagon. Sean Kleisinger here filling in for Michael Ball alongside Blaine Wyland as Ballsy is on his way to Vancouver, British Columbia. The beautiful Vancouver, British Columbia. And I still find it hard to believe. Now, I haven't been to Ottawa, so I can't say, but Ballsy said that Ottawa is his favorite CFL stop. And uh, I just can't imagine what city would beat Vancouver, British Columbia here here in Canada. I know Montreal is a beautiful city, but Vancouver, 
Blaine, do you have an opinion on this? Van- what's your favorite CFL city? Oh, it'd be Vancouver. Yeah, I've never been to Ottawa too, like you, like you yeah. just said. But uh, yeah, I can't imagine it being better than Vancouver. Vancouver is so beautiful. I I, I got lucky because I went there in like July and August in the summertime, and I haven't had to deal with like rain and that gloomy weather that you always hear about the West Coast. Mm-hmm. It's it was beautiful summer weather when I was out there. I loved it and. Wish I could go back, uh, but uh, I was one time I was there during the riot, which was kind of funny. But uh, you mean the Stanley Cup riot? Oh yeah! Wow! I almost ended up. Well, I wasn't quite almost ended up. I almost actually watched that game seven downtown, and uh, I didn't at the last minute. And I'm kind of glad I did. <laughs> I was going to say. So yeah, but that that game was in Van was in Vancouver, right? The game yep. seven. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, you know what? The problem was why that whole happened. Eh? Game six, they closed off the alcohol sales because Vancouver was up three two in that series, and they had the chance to win a game six. Game six was played in Boston. They cut off, and then so it was an earlier. It was like a. I think four o'clock face off or five o'clock face off in Vancouver. They cut off the alcohol sales at four o'clock in Vancouver. Like all liquor board stores, all off sales, nothing. You couldn't buy any alcohol. They didn't announce that till like the last second day. And so they got people going. Well, people are a little <laughs> upset. So, uh, but and then game six, Boston stomped Vancouver. So game seven. They did the same thing. So everyone started drinking well before four o'clock. That like I remember walking around like at twelve o'clock that day. Everyone was getting ready for a party, whether it was a game seven victory or what uh, what uh, what actually mm-hmm. happened. So that's what I think was the reason why the ride happened was because of those. Uh, uh, well, I shouldn't say the main reason, but one of the reasons why it happened. I'm guessing the tickets for that game would have been like what like. Thousand bucks a piece. You oh, probably I, didn't. Did I you would, look into it at the time? No, Do you remember? because no? I was actually in town. I went. The only reason I was in Vancouver to begin with was because I went to the UFC pay per view. It was supposed to be Brock Lesnar versus Junior Dos Santos, but Brock Lesnar got hurt, so it was Shane Carwin and Junior Dos Santos. So it was still a good, good card and everything. I had great seats and it was a good time and all. But uh, yeah, that's why I went to Vancouver. I flew in during Game Five uh, of the. It, that game ended up like I believe a one nothing score. I remember watching the game in the airplane. Some Canuck fan, she was getting hysterical anytime Luong would play the puck. I'm not talking like a <laughs> simple save. Like it was wrapped around the board. She'd be like, "Oh my god, oh my god!" I was just like ready to throw something. But uh, yeah, then I ended up watching the game at a at a buddy's house, and uh, we we're across the street from a bar. And we got the total delayed reactions. Eh? It was kind of oh, funny. Right. But just for that one. I believe it was only one nothing in game five. It was like a one-goal game in overtime. Uh, or some, It was a one-goal game, but it was very close. But uh, that was the closest game in the series because game six and game seven weren't, weren't close at all. Yeah, Roberto Lolongo, it was announced yesterday as well that he will be going into the Vancouver Canucks. What do they call it? Is it the Ring of Honor, Vancouver Canuck Hall of Fame? Whatever they call it, he is going into it on... December 14th, I believe the date is when the Florida Panthers are in town to take on the Canucks, so that is a very fitting matchup there. But uh, yeah, Vancouver, British Columbia has to be my favorite CFO uh, stop, although Montreal would be up there as well. And that's where our Saskatchewan Rough Riders play tomorrow night 
a good old classic 8.30 p.m. kickoff versus the BC Lions. And let's roll through the depth chart again. It was released today. And uh, Jaden Dalkey, free safety, he is back in the starting lineup, which is huge news for Rough Rider fans for obvious reasons. I mean, he is like the quarterback, if you will. I, You know what? I don't like when people say that, the quarterback of the defense. But I just said it. So there you go. I went against my own beliefs. Uh, Derek Moncrief. The Swiss Army Knife. They should just put that on his jersey instead of the number 42. Because Derek Moncrief, he has penciled in to start at one of the starting halfback spots beside Nick Marshall. And uh, so that's going to be interesting to see how Moncrief travels around the field tomorrow night. Although he's basically been doing that all season long anyways. So, But uh, in the one question mark on offense going into this game... Well, there was a couple, but uh, Jamal Morrow, he will not be in the lineup tomorrow night. Frankie Hickson will once again get the carries, the bulk of the carries for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Same receiving core, Schaefer Baker, Stearns, Bain Jr., Tevin Jones, Sam Emelis. Along the offensive line, Peter Godber will start at center. Uh, left tackle Lofton, left guard Blake. Good to see him back in the starting lineup. Logan Furland at right guard, and Brandon Council will get the start at right tackle for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And uh, as far as the roster goes, that's basically oh, it, as well. Uh, T.J. Brunson is back in the lineup. He's going to be backing up uh, Larry Dean at the middle linebacker position, but expect him to see it or expect him to get a lot of snaps tomorrow. He made a uh, that crushing. Crushing hit. I was trying to find a word for it, Blaine, but I, I, I got to keep it radio friendly here. Uh, <laughs> it's good to see him back in the lineup, though. I, I know he's become a big fan favorite here in Ryderville for obvious reasons, not only because he lays the absolute hit stick on guys, but he's just a really good football player as well. The Toronto Blue Jays, they're taking on the New York Yankees right now. It's top of two. The Blue Jays have lost two in a row versus the Bronx Bombers. This game is happening at the Rogers Center. No score. The Jays, it's very complicated when it comes to their magic number because it's based on like how the other games go, this and that. All I know is the Jays have a 90% chance to make the playoffs, and Chris Bassett is on the hill right now for the Toronto Blue Jays. And uh looks like the Yankees have a runner on third base in the top of two. So with uh, two out, though, so hopefully Chris Bassett can... Uh, I wouldn't call it a jam, but hopefully Bassett can get out of that inning unscathed as uh, the Toronto Blue Jays will be going up to bat here in the bottom of the inning to see if they can get back on the board to take the lead against the New York Yankees. And the Jays haven't scored a run, I believe, actually, in this series. Now that I think about it, they've been shut out two games in a row, which is uh, not ideal. And the news of the day in the CFL, hopping back to the CFL quickly here, Micah Alway, we talked about this to kick off the show. If you missed it, though, Micah Alway, he laid that, speaking of bone-crushing hits, well, uh, Micah Alway laid that one versus the Montreal Alouettes this past week. And this is his fourth fine of the season. So he was fined today, okay, but he was not suspended. Now, you might ask, okay, you you just said that he was fined for the fourth time. Yes, but no suspension. It's funny how how things work sometimes, isn't it? You know, some guys can just get fined once and be suspended. Wink, wink. (laughs) And uh, some guys can, you know, get fined four times and still collect game checks and not get suspended. It's head-scratching 
head-scratching material. But uh, that's the reality of the situation. And Farhan Lalji as well, if you missed this earlier, I think uh, we, we touched on this in hour one, but uh, or maybe it was hour two. I mean, it's been such a fun show. It's all mending together. But Farhan Lalji tweeted that uh, Colin Kaepernick, now you might know Colin Kaepernick quite well. If you don't, Blaine, you could you could fill in the listeners. Who is Colin Kaepernick? Don't you know who Colin Kaepernick is as a uh, Packers fan? I don't think I do. I, I wiped that. I wiped a couple that touchdown slate. runs in the playoffs. A slate record clean. touchdown run. Slate is clean. Twenty twelve <laughs> divisional and a twenty thirteen wild card. It's it's, but uh, yeah, Colin Kaepernick is on the BC Lions negotiation list. So. A lot of the times that doesn't result into anything. We see it all the time. But it is a talking point because you just never know what can happen. He's been in the news, I mean, for quite some time, Colin Kaepernick has. Even this week? or Sorry to cut you off there. Even this week, though, because he sent uh, that letter. Yeah, that letter. I can't remember the rapper's name who uh, released it. My apologies to the youth demographic. I probably would know. But uh, Kaepernick, yeah, did send that letter to the New York Jets. So I think that's why it's a little bit more relevant right now because, you know, he's still trying to get into the game, get back. And uh, it was really interesting. I mean, he... It was like a resume, eh? Because he had references in there. He had the Harbaugh brothers. He had Mark Davis. Uh, it was kind of interesting there, but uh, yeah. I'm, I'm not sure he's going to be back in the CFL. Yeah, the letter that you're talking about earlier this week, just to expand on it, I want to bring the letter up here if I can find it. I had it earlier. Here it is right here. So basically, uh, Colin Kaepernick sent in a letter to the New York Jets. Uh, I'll read you the first bit. Uh, I hope this letter finds you in great spirits. Despite the less than ideal start to a big season, I'm wishing you, your staff, and the players a great game this weekend as you look to bounce back. And then he basically goes on to say how he would be a good fit in New York, basically saying how Colin does believe in Zach Wilson, and he just, I don't i don't know, it all kind of seems kind of, you know, what what I'm sure you read the letter, Blaine. What'd you make of it when Colin Kaepernick sent this letter into the New York Jets? When I read this, I kind of think, okay, yes, he is literally doing everything that he can to get back on a team. Because I mean, read this line. This would also allow you guys, as an organization, to take a real look at where I'm at football wise and game like situations against an elite defense. He's you know talking about you know getting the starting offense ready in the scout team and stuff so like he is just like grabbing onto a string here doing every single thing he can to catch on a roster yeah it's still I think it's he got blackballed from the league and it's unfortunate I think it's unfortunate quite frankly you could say what you will about how good he was but he was definitely a top 32 quarterback when he first left the NFL or didn't get re-signed I guess you could say he was a top 64 um, he should have been in the NFL it's a mm. it's injustice that he got he he got blackballed from the league, plain and simple. Can you imagine him in the Canadian Football League? Like, how do you think his skill set would uh, translate to the Canadian game? I mean, the guy could run around like a deer. He looks like a deer when he runs. He does, eh? <laughs> yeah, like he does. Like uh, he's. I would of, love to see it. I know uh, Vernon Adams Jr. We had him on the show to kick off the hour. He would probably not want to see that because it, if the Lions are signing Colin Kaepernick, I mean, you would have to believe that he would 
Well, I, see the field. I don't see him like rotting on a practice roster or backing up Vernon Adams Jr. for, you know, three seasons in a row. Like, well, he wants to play. Yeah. The, the thing is, you add him to the negotiation list. When is the earliest you can expect him to co- contribute to the team? Well, next year. He's not going to do anything this year. No, so. not this year. No, I not mean, this year. I don't think Vernon Adams really has to worry about it. I mean, he might just think, I don't know if he'll. He's. They're kind of similar, like in terms of running, but yeah, like Colin Kaepernick is big. He's I a would bigger... love to see that doing the CFO, wouldn't you? It would be great publicity. Oh, I yeah. I mean, it's I already... wish it would have happened a couple of years ago when it kind of first when it, he was first on, I believe, Montreal's or Hamilton's earlier on. I would have liked to see that now. At Still, the spark I think would be relit. I mean, the the past couple of years. I mean, we've seen it this week. I mean, Troy Aikman's talking about the CFL. We got Aaron Rodgers talking about the CFL on the Pat McAfee show. If Colin Kaepernick made his way up to the Canadian Football League. Imagine, like, that spark would be lit again. I think it would be all over the news in in the National Football League. More people from down south would watch the Canadian game, and then from there you would create more fans. I mean, I think this has really good potential for the Canadian Football League, and if I'm the BC Lions, I'm doing everything, every, everything, everything I can to get Colin Kaepernick in the building because that would be... I think it would be outstanding whether it's going to happen or not. Probably won't happen. Like I said, we see guys on the negotiation lists all the time. So, But uh, that, like you said, it's a discussion maybe for next season as we get closer to the offseason here. Not really close to the offseason, get closer to the Great Cup playoffs. We're going to hit the break here, have the bottom of the clock news, and then on the other side, a little more chatter before we get into press coverage with Glenn Suter for Quality Tire. You are listening for the Sports Cage for the Canadian Brew House on 620 CKRM. I'm Blaine Wong with your sports ticket for Busy Bee. Busy Bee will repair or replace your residential or commercial garage door so you don't get stuck in or out. Catch the buzz. Busy Bee Doors, the garage door specialists. The Toronto Blue Jays trying to get a little bit closer to the postseason. They're squaring off with the New York Yankees tonight. In the bottom of the second, it is scoreless. The Blue Jays do have a couple runners on base with two away in the second inning. The Jays haven't scored a run yet in their three-game series so far with the Yankees. The Jays have a couple games lead on the Seattle Mariners. They begin their final series of the season tonight when they take on the Texas Rangers, who are in the lead in the AL West as well. The Houston Astros as well is involved in the playoff chase in the West in the American League. On the ice tonight in the NHL preseason action, including the Chicago Blackhawks taking on the St. Louis Blues. Of course, that means Connor Bedard will make his official debut with the Chicago Blackhawks tonight. In a couple of weeks' time, he'll make his regular season debut in Pittsburgh against the Penguins. The Pats are going to be back in action tomorrow night as they take on the Prince Albert Raiders up in Prince Albert before they score off with the Moose Jaw Warriors on Saturday. And the Saskatchewan Rough Riders will be out west tomorrow, they're going to be taking on the BC Lions in their third and final matchup of the season. So far, the two teams have split the first two games of the season series. You can catch the game tomorrow on 620 CKRM with Countdown the Kickoff at 5.30 and the opening kickoff at 8.30. Let's head ringside and check in with the oldest major junior hockey team in Canada. This is Pat Chats from your official voice of the Regina Pats, 620 CKRM. Thursday's Pat Chat for the Canadian Brew House. You can hit the patio with great deals on selected Corona products 
on special. And every Tuesday, you can enter in to win a signature CBH Corona Patio umbrella. The Regina Pats suffered their first loss of the 2023 campaign yesterday. 4-2 was the final score versus the visiting Moose Jaw Warriors. And after the game, the voice of the Pats, Dante DeCaria, chatted with Pats assistant coach Ken Schneider. I swear, I think all three of us sitting here were after 40 minutes really thought that you guys were going to come out with the victory. You guys definitely played well enough to, to, to win this game, so your thoughts on this one against Moose Jaw? Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that uh, assessment, uh, Dante. Um, you know, we had a chat with the boys after the game, and, you know, Brad, you know, kept it pretty positive, and for the most part, you know, we, we, we played the kind of game and the style of play that we need to play. Um, you know, first period, uh, as you guys were alluding to, uh, you know, we, we really, we really outplayed them badly, but we just, we didn't, we didn't bury the puck. And yeah. those are, those are the times that really sometimes in those tight games come back to haunt you. Uh, you know, when you put that many pucks on goal and, and, you know, kind of come up empty. Yeah. And you know what, Kenny, like just to kind of build off that point, the first period was, was just magical. Like to be quite honest with you, just, it seemed like every single line when they came out there were just hemming the Warriors. What did you think about the start that you guys had in the first period? Well, we've had really good starts in the first three games now. Um, the white headlines given us, a, you know, a, a real good jump right off the hop. And, um, you know, we had good energy uh, through the first period. I thought maybe, uh, and I said that to Evan after the first, you know, just before we went out for the second, I was a little concerned because sometimes after you've had that sustained pressure without scoring, you, sometimes you lose some of that energy. And uh, I thought that uh, Moose Jaw maybe pushed pushed back a little bit harder in the second period, and and uh, you know started to find their feet a little bit more. So um, you know, but but at the same time, I don't think you can expect to sustain that kind of pressure for 60 minutes uh, throughout the game. Uh, it was some of the more expected guys getting on the score sheet tonight, Ken. But uh, really early on in the season, there's been uh, scoring throughout the lineup. Uh, Braden Barnett, Mateo Michaels, Braxton Whitehead as well. Uh, being the guy that runs the forwards, what's it been, in your opinion, uh, that's kind of clicked for the group so far? Is it just you know a lot of guys that have actually spent some time together that maybe people looking at this club this year wouldn't think about? Yeah, I, I agree with that uh, for sure, Drew. I think that, you know, we've had some of these boys here for three years now, so, you know, they know the style of play that, you know, that we're going to bring to the, to the game. Um, and, uh, you know, we've, we've worked hard, uh, in particular this fall. Brad's really worked hard at, you know, trying to develop more scoring for us. Uh, we've been doing a lot of work, uh, on that sort of stuff. And, um, uh, and we're going to need scoring from other people other than, you know, the guys that we expect to score. Yeah. Al, Vallis, Spencer, those guys. We, we need secondary scoring. And I think tonight for a guy that kind of stood out for me, to be quite honest with you, was, was the young Temple boy. Oh. I, I, I thought, you know, every time he had the puck, he was, he was making hockey plays and, uh, and you can start to see him develop his confidence, I think, is really all it, it's taken uh, these first three games. But I think we're starting to see who he really is. The uh, I was really impressed with Ty Spencer tonight. I, I've been impressed with both times I've seen him this year, but uh, it looks like really he's really elevated his game over the last over the summer and into this year. Yeah, I, I agree, Rob. Um, uh, Spenny had a really good offseason and trained really hard. Um, and I know that at the end of the season last year, you know, and Brad, had, we had talked uh, with John and Brad a year ago that, you know, we figured Spenny would be who he is today. And, and as a 20-year-old, we can see that, you know, um, 
you know, he skates so well. He's been tenacious on the puck. Yeah. And, and that sort of that piece of his game was maybe somewhat missing uh, before. But now he's, um, you know, and, and I think he's playing with that confidence. And then so as a result, we're starting to see uh, see him do some real positive things. So the Pats have an off day today and they will travel up to Prince Albert to take on the Raiders tomorrow night on RM2 with the pregame show starting at 635. Puck drop shortly after 7 on 620CKRM.com. Thursday's Pat Chat. Every time Saskatchewan gets in second or long, they've been bringing Glenn Suter up on the outside. Sometimes they blitz him, sometimes they don't. But when he's blitzed, he's had success. And it's picked up by Suter. He runs it out of bounds. It's time for press coverage as former Ryder greats and veteran CFL football broadcaster Glenn Suter shares his unique and passionate perspective about the league we love with Ryder Nation. All right, back inside the sports cage here on this Thursday for the Canadian Brew House and their new summer feature menu, including jalapeno popper dip, hangover helper, new candlestick fries, and so many other features, flavors, and cocktails. This is press coverage with TSN's Glenn Suter for Quality Tire with nine locations across Saskatchewan. QualityTire.ca, and uh, I guess we'll start here because it's official now. I saw this today. Uh, the United States Football League and the XFL officially announced their intention to merge. More details regarding the new league will be announced at a later date, and I was kind of digging into it. I don't know, and I don't like the idea of having hub locations. I kind of saw that might be a possibility instead of teams playing in front of their own fans. I know they do hubs for like financial purposes, but it just defeats the purpose of playing a football game. It's the fans and the atmosphere that makes football. You're gonna be playing in empty stadiums. Come on. Yeah, no, you're you're right, Sean. You know, and I I I hope for uh, this to be the their best chance to have sort of a farm system, if they want to call it that, for the NFL. Uh, another another way for more players to get opportunities to play at a higher level against grown men, um, you know. So you're you're continuing your football journey while waiting to join one of the two professional leagues in the world, which is the NFL and the CFL. So you know, I, I I'm all for this being probably their best chance however it's still a really steep mountain and while i'd love to have the players continue to get this opportunity and to continue to chase their dreams i also you know think that we can now sort of be rest assured that our game and its great history is it was a great uh I don't know if it was a decision or maybe it just evolved this way. It was great that we didn't merge with a league that is unstable as the new, you know, mm-hmm. league that is now merged down south. So, you know, it was a real good thing that that didn't happen because there were some talking about that that was, you know, in a discussion point anyway. So, you know, I, I just, I, I look at it this way. I, I want to get off the hamster wheel of constantly, you know, reminding people that that spring football in the United States just doesn't work. Uh, I hope that this is their best chance and that maybe it, it stays alive for a while. It will not affect the players in the CFL, the quality of the CFL, the entertainment value of the CFL. 
That we can just stop talking about. And hopefully they don't lose millions and millions of dollars like they have been for all these spring leagues, you know, in the past. I, you know, I just, you know, when you compare the history, Sean, you're looking at, you're, you're looking at 110 years of a championship that, you know, has been just part of Canadian history versus one that is just starting and will take at least 10 years. If 10 years from now you and I are saying, hey, this, this other league is a, is a cool spring league and great for the players. If 10 years from now we're saying that, great, I, I'm all for it. But let, let's wait and see. Let's get off it. And let's not ever talk about the fact that this is going to affect us in a negative way. It doesn't. Yeah. Well, it's crazy to think about where we were, you know, a few years ago with the merger talks. I don't even want to even think about that. Yeah. But uh, uh, it's. I'm not saying we need a green check mark from the Americans at all, but it has been pretty cool this week to see, you know, Aaron Rodgers, uh, Troy Aikman. I think we touched on this earlier this week, but it's been pretty cool to, you know, see those two big names, you know, recognize the Canadian Football League. I mean, I, I thinking mm-hmm. back like five, ten years ago, I don't think that uh, would have happened on live broadcasts. You know, I, I just think maybe more recognition, uh, maybe the TV deal down south. I just feel like more eyes are on the Canadian Football League uh, here in 2023. Uh, yeah, it's a great point, you know, and and we and we didn't talk about it earlier in the week, so it's I'm glad we brought it up because, uh, you know, I'm I'm a fan of Troy Aikman. I, I think he does a fantastic job as an analyst. I I still, you know, learn some things. He he takes you uh, into not just showing you what you just saw, but he also will break down away from the ball what's happening and why a play was successful. I I look for things like that in an analyst, and that's what I try to do when I'm in the booth. So I, I have great respect for for Mr. Aikman, and and to say it as matter of factly as he did, I saw that you know that hit where he was on camera and did the you know this this looks like the the fast pace motion from Canadian football. It was it was just matter of fact, and you know it, it it's not a surprise to me because. Whenever I talk to players that have played in both leagues or coaches or administrators that have been in both leagues, like the late Bob Ackles or any other player that was either a teammate or a guy that I've covered uh, that played in the NFL, they will all tell you there's great respect for it. The Americans have, in a lot of ways, more respect for our game than some Canadians do. So I, I just, I, I loved how matter of fact it was, Sean, that he just, he just, talked about the other pro league in the world that has different rules that provide for fast action and lots of motion. And he was trying to make a point about an offense down south that is looking very similar to what we do up here. I I think it was excellent. Yeah, it got my juices flowing. It pumped me up when I saw that clip on the old Twitter box or X, whatever it's called. So that's always good to see. Press coverage with Glenn Suter here for Quality Tire on the Western Pizza Hotline. Well, let's talk about the big game coming up here tomorrow. The Saskatchewan Rough Riders making their way into BC. You are calling the game tomorrow. So uh, doing your show prep leading up to the game this week, Glenn, what is kind of, you know, uh, your gut feeling about this game or a couple of the uh, points that you were looking for uh, going into the call on Friday night? Yeah, I had a great conversation uh, via Zoom with with uh, Shivers, the, the D.C. for Saskatchewan. And 
a chance to, you know, to ask him about, yeah, I won't say the issues that their defense has been facing because it's not really issues. It's just all of a sudden they're leaking a little bit too many yards in against the run. They're, they're not as, as strong as they were in the first, you know, five, six games of the season against the run. There's all of a sudden more explosions being given up where, you know, a double move gets in behind a DB. And, you know, I talked to him about their goal and he said, you know, in a lot of ways, it's uh, the stats have been a little misleading and he wasn't giving an excuse. He was saying the stats have been a little bit misleading. Their goal against the run is to allow no more than four yards per carry. And he said right now they're at about five yards. So that's significant because second and five is better than second and six, obviously, or seven. So they want to get back to that goal, but they're not as far off as it might appear based on the overall numbers. Because I was doing analytics and I saw that they had given up more rush yards over the last few weeks. And I thought that's, that's going to be a problem, especially when the weather's changing and, and offenses go more to the run. Mm-hmm. He's not as, as concerned with it. He thinks that they'll rally. He does want to see better tackling and he does want to see, you know, better pursuit and tackling. Uh, you know, in the open field, whether it be bubble screens or after a quick throw for four yards that, that they see everybody rally to the tackle and get the guy on the ground. He said they can be better there. So, uh, cause that's where I think, uh, you know, a little bit of improvement on that side of the ball and a couple more opportunities for Dola Gala to get out there and get that offense going with a very underrated receiving core would bow well against this BC line team. Yeah, and the Riders released their depth chart today, and I was just uh, glancing it over, and one thing that really shot off the page for me, and it's by no surprise, but Derek Moncrief, he's penciled in at one of the starting halfback spots. I mean, this dude is the definition of a Swiss Army knife. He plays literally all over the field on defense. Yeah, he does, Sean. In fact, Mr. Shivers was telling me that, you know, he goes, he's my get-out-of-jail-free card. (laughs) He He said, whenever we have a guy that's nicked or something happens, I have to go right over to Derek right away and say, hey, we need you to fill in this spot and we'll fill in the other ones around you. Um, you know, that's great to have an athlete like that. And, and he is also an example, just to remind folks, I know a lot of Ryder fans already know this, but to remind folks that he he's one of those great American stories like George Reed or Ron Lancaster yeah. that fell in love with this, the, the province, fell in love with the country and our game, is a fantastic athlete and football player, but he's become a citizen. He's become a, a Canadian. Uh, he's, he has married a Canadian girl. They have a brand-new baby. He's living in Regina full-time and, you know, loving our country. Again, a great story. Yeah, we love Derek Moncrief here in Rider Nation and Canadian free safety as well. Gene Dalkey is back in the starting lineup, so uh, that's good to see for Rider fans. Uh, Jackson Ford filling in nicely the past couple weeks, but uh, it's good to have Jane Dalkey back in the lineup this week. Yeah, I mean, he, you know, Jackson did a good job and, and I didn't see any glaring issues, but he's still so young. And Dalkey, uh, you know, talking to the coach said that he is he is just such a great communicator, getting everybody lined up, leading by example. Again, r- running to the ball so hard that you know you you almost guilt your teammates into you know let's have a race to the ball, let's have a race to the guy who's holding it. 
and and that's kind of what Dalkey was bringing. So, uh, you know, I think him being back, Moncrief will be fine at halfback. You know, they still have a great D-line, even with the fact that they're a little bit nicked up there, and Micah Johnson's having a, um, a year that no one's really talking about, but maybe one of his best. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I... I'm not the only one saying that. Opposing coaches feel the same way. So, you know, I, I think they have the tools to, to upset the BC Lions, but it would be an upset in, in BC's place tomorrow night if they win. Yeah, and these kickoff times were always my favorite and still are. I mean, going back to when I was a kid, 8.30 p.m. kickoff, you know, a, a nice old excuse to stay up a little later if you're a, a youngster to watch some football on the old TV. Uh, we'll talk to you next week. Yes, and but don't forget the pregame show. We'll be on pregame show That's tomorrow right. night. That's right, and the pregame show countdown to kickoff will be on the air at 5.30 and the be rolling on on the Rider Nation pregame show with Michael Ball and Luke Mullinder. It's when Glenn Suter will do the live hit from the press box at BC Place. It's going to be a good one. Press coverage for Quality Tire with nine locations across Saskatchewan. QualityTire.ca. TSN's Glenn Suter there. And that puts a wrap on this Thursday edition of the Sports Cage. If you missed any of today's show, as always, you can go back and find it in podcast form wherever you find your podcasts. And a reminder, tomorrow we will have a two-and-a-half-hour edition of the Sports Cage because the countdown to kickoff will be on the air at 5.30. So that leaves us two-and-a-half hours to tee up countdown to kickoff. And then after countdown to kickoff, the Rider Nation pregame show and then kickoff between the Riders and Lions. You have been listening to the Sports Cage for the Canadian Brew House here on 620 CKRM News with Corey Atkinson next. Today's sports cage has come to a close. Miss a segment? Download or stream the podcast now at sportscage.ca. Get your sports straight from the source. 620 CKRM.